Hey there, Alex here. Uh, ahead of this week's episode, I wanted to give a potential content warning for some of the topics we end up discussing. There are some pretty explicit conversations about sexual and physical abuse, as well as suicide. If those topics or topics of that nature are difficult for you, we would recommend skipping past the section that starts around the 35-minute mark and ends around the 45-minute one. We have more detailed timestamps in the show notes if you want to be a bit more selective and granular, but still wanted to give some warning up front. Regardless, thank you for listening. Let's get the show started. Hello, and welcome to Gaming Fix, episode 128, on July 4th, 2020. It's still 2020, everybody. Can you believe it? I'm your host, Andre Cole, a.k.a. your partner's favorite way to be Dark Souls. I'm joined today by Alex. I would use whey protein. And also joining me, Pat. I want to defeat Dark Souls while on the back of a T-Rex, which is using a DDR pad. Whoa. Okay. The the T-Rex is using the DDR pad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is this a standard size DDR pad or is this a T-Rex like to scale DDR pad? I think it has to be a T-Rex. What I like is that you asked if the DDR pad was to scale with the T-Rex or if the T-Rex was full sized or Well, if you're on the back of it, like I think I could ride on a small T-Rex's back too. Like like the size of a pony, like Sure, but this is a real full size T-Rex and a giant DDR pad. That's why you need the T-Rex to use it because it's too large for you to use it as a human. And then you can use the uh, Donkey Konga drums on the back to attack. <laughs> exactly. And movement <laughs> is controlled by the dinosaur. Yeah, exactly. Okay, there and we, we go. just, I just drift with the dinosaur so that it, it knows what needs to happen. Yeah. You, you touch ponytails with the dinosaur. Wait, and... t- yes, yes. Wait, sorry. Exactly, you, yes. you mean drift in the Pacific Rim sense, not Correct. in the, the Tokyo drift sense? I right? would also, ex- uh, I would also <laughs> okay. accept Tokyo drifting with dinosaurs. I have yet to find a dinosaur in Ark whose special ability is to Tokyo drift. <laughs> Fuck, that would be so cool. It would be cool, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's in there. What's the I fastest? Wonder if you know what What's they the do fast? in Tokyo. What's the fastest dinosaur? Uh, at least in Ark, it is a Gallimimus, I believe. Do you think a Gallimimus could drift? No. <laughs> Did I tell you about the time? It was like my last day of training for my job, and we were celebrating. Uh, but we went out like karaoke, got drunk, all that fun stuff. And then somehow ended up talking to some dudes standing by a skyline on the streets of the city. And then I was like, oh, have you seen Tokyo Drift in like That's really bad Japanese? And then really I got funny. a guy's phone number. I'm like, you have to take me drifting. <laughs> Oh my god! And then I moved out of that city. Like, oh man, that's after. such a sad ending to that story. I, I wish know. you could say. And Do then you? we had a beautiful night of drifting. Do you still have his number? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you just have to ride in the car and scream <laughs> as ignorant as possible. You have to yell "Ridge Racer" every time he goes around a, a, a drift. Um. I, I, I don't what, oh. what would what would you have put maybe it in your phone I do. maybe I do I don't I have a random person named Maruyama in my phone oh. it's right. in Japanese I don't know do you own a skyline I don't think it was their car <laughs> but this, this person I was with like was trying to hit on this girl in the street and I'm like 
it his japanese me... worse than mine i'm like i'm sorry he's drunk he's an idiot and then she ran over to her boyfriend who i think was the owner of the skyline <laughs> and you were <laughs> and I started talking to someone else who was like one of his friends that's really good uh, yeah uh yeah first right. week in japan baby <laughs> so we'll get back to this misconnection next week and hear all about it yeah. Yeah, you know, I'll call Maruyama up and be like, "Hey, uh, summer vacation's coming up. Do you still drift?" <laughs> it's too bad we're. Uh, it's, oh god! Oh god! Oh god! Oh no! What? What have you done? I have. Oh god! Sorry, I clicked oh. on a thing that had sound, and <laughs> oh, that's okay. it was very loud. It didn't okay. do anything to my recording. Just my ears. We can always hope. Well, uh, after my story about. Maruyama, it had to have a sad ending so we can gently transition into just absolute shit show that continues to happen in the gaming industry uh, with more just terrible, terrible uh, stories and news coming out. Sorry to bring everyone down like this, but we want to we want to make sure to touch on some of the stuff and just say we continue to stand with the victims of abuse and sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse that have uh, been coming forward with their stories Um, in the games industry and wrestling in general, everyone. And yeah, just a lot of stories this week. The past few weeks, well, in a year which has sucked major ass, the past few weeks in particular have have been particularly suck ass. You know, I don't want to like yuck anyone's yums. Some people go for a nice suck ass. Um, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is a very much a doo doo ass situation. So yeah, and I think some of the, I mean, it is we've talked about at length how um, ho- horrible and um, horrifying police brutality in America is and you know there's no that still continues it doesn't it's it's, it's going on you should still be paying attention to that but in to some extent like there were such visible the way people have sort of taken to the streets to protest and stuff mm-hmm. has made it feel like um a lot of that stuff is that they, 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 like there's people who are en masse coming out to say we don't accept this and we're not mm-hmm. going to put up with this. Mm-hmm. And so there's a weird um, bit of hope, I guess, that like is very visible on a mm-hmm. larger scale. And I think some of the, so I mean, I'm certainly not comparing the like impact no. of these two different things, but when it comes to the, the assault allegations and the emotional abuse allegations and all of this stuff that's happening within games, while I still am hopeful that there will be elements of change that come out of, this round of accusations, I think it it's harder for me to take that sort of like there's it's harder for me to find elements of this inspirational because I feel like it just keeps happening again and again and again and again and again and it doesn't get better. Um, and so it's like looking at this time, it's like, well, I hope it gets better this time. It didn't really the last time, clearly. So, um, well, so it's, it's tough. We are at least we're we're seeing some actual consequence consequences maybe we're seeing action being taken we're seeing some consequences we're seeing some. action being taken um and like you know so 
there it's not just like small things like oh we're we're sorry we stand with the victims of abuse they're actually having to reckon with some consequences uh the big one this week was a lot of stories coming about uh the fighting game community Mm -hmm. especially around evo was supposed to be evo online was supposed to be getting be beginning this week as part of their like oh COVID-19 can't have an in-person thing in Las Vegas, so we're going to do an online thing over multiple weeks. That was supposed to start today, and it will not be happening at all because numerous members of the fighting game community, as well as the president and co-founder of Evo, uh, Joey Queller, Mr. Wiz, had some allegations thrown at him. And pretty serious but he has been put on administrative or he was put on administrative leave and then removed from the company like within hours of each other right um but before that like as the allegations came out uh numerous companies and individual players uh started pulling out saying they were not going to be participating sonic fox was a major one uh like individual players he was one of the Uh, first as far as i'm i recall or yeah. they they were one of the first yeah. rather um and nether realms pulled nether realm studios pulled mortal kombat 11 and said they they were not participating yep. capcom pulled street fighter 5 uh yep. bandai namco also pulled their games from the event and i can't remember the name of the developer but new fighting game them's fighting herds was also pulled uh. and then uh, Mr. Wiz was removed from the company and the event was canceled. And, yeah. but, uh, Evo, part of Evo's, um, like their, the profits or the proceeds were going to be donated to, I think, was it COVID relief? Probably. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm they, sure there was, that, a... that would make sense. Yeah. Those are, they're still donating like an equivalent amount to those even though they're having to refund people for canceling the event and all that stuff it is a lot there's happened real fast wow yeah it was it was interesting to watch in in one sense like uh, again much like all the previous stuff i'm not glad it happened of course because the fact that you know any of these reasons came up in the first place is awful. Yeah. However, I am. I was glad to see such swift movement. Like, yes. it, it, yeah. like companies, like big companies, which are usually glacial to respond to anything, re- mm-hmm. re- reacted within an hour or less. Yeah. Uh, and the whole thing, like, I, I think I ended up updating our story in our document four or five times within about three hours. Because it went from Sonic Fox dropping to Nether Realms dropping to all the stuff, all within about three hours. Yeah, and I, I think it's because they recognized that they kind of had to move quickly because fighting games are so much about like the community around yes. them that if you don't move really fast on this stuff, it could and basically just make the whole bottom fall out of the yeah, genre. The community, <laughs> these big in-person events, if people don't feel safe there... Yeah, gonna and yeah. the fighting game community has had problems with this kind of stuff. Like, I mean, I'm obviously it's had problems with abuse also for a long time, but more openly, it's been a very hostile space for 
basically anyone oh, who isn't yeah. a straight dude um, y- y- for a long time. That's a huge so, point. It's the FGC is notably toxic. Yeah. Um, and it's getting better. I think is my interpretation. Sonic Fox is a really great example of a person who is like yeah. pushing boundaries in terms of inclusivity and, and, and trying to build more, a more diverse and welcoming FGC. But it, it is Still. one of the most, it is a, an incredibly diverse um, community in terms of players. Like you look at um, something like MOBA's Dota League. I, I might be wrong on this now, but those are usually, it's a lot of white people and like Chinese, Korean, yes. not so many Japanese. Uh, yeah, there's that's... been some reasons where Japanese people can't like participate in those games because of gambling laws here. Sure. But uh, but the fighting game community has people from all over, all walks really diverse, of life. But and, if, yeah, if you if if you're a woman trying to play fighting yeah, games, not many women. Not, <laughs> you not are many you women. are in for um really and and like the way that a lot of in 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 and again I'm painting with I don't mean to paint with a broad brush because I think there's a you know wide range of different fighting game communities within the fighting game community. But I can remember when I was starting to try to like get into going to some local tournaments, the way that people talked about even female characters in fighting games was awful. Like it was just disgusting. Mm -hmm. The kind of stuff that people would say. And let alone if you were just like actually a woman trying to get in and play games. Yeah. Um, It should be noted. There's an article that came out by Frankie Ward probably three or four days ago on PC gamer called on being a woman in esports, which is uh, very much worth a read. If you have the time, it's yeah. I can't. There was an article. I can't remember who wrote it. It was like a few years ago, but it was about a woman trying to get into her local Marvel versus Capcom scene. I think, and <laughs> it, I think it was like Marvel versus Capcom, like three, and just like her experience, like trying to get good and going to tournaments and just being treated like shit. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, think people assuming like, oh, where's your boyfriend? Like, you know, you're obviously here to support him. And she's like, no, I'm here to play. And it's, I think it's been, it's been frustrating for me for a long time to look at those communities. And this is true of other esports, like MOBA communities and RTS communities and stuff too. But to look at those communities and you see people talk about how like, how great the fighting game community is and how it's such a, a, a warm place where you're, your people are like family, not just friends and stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, unless you're a woman and then it sucks. So can we address that and stop like harping on how great it is until we start to address some of this toxicity? Um, and so I, I think it's, I'm hopeful that in this case, it's a clear showing of, of support for, yeah, for people. Um, I, we'll I, I wonder, yeah, I wonder how long it'll take for some of that stuff to, like actually like bear fruit and see more women in like top eights and stuff like that. And and if it will at all is sort of the concern that I have. Cause like, you know, you can say, I I, I, I think a company like I'm going to go out on a limb and say, despite that some gross mishandling of response or lack of response to things like the black lives matter movement currently happening. I think valve is generally a company that is like, not full of misogynists. I mean, knowing of the people who work there, there's a lot of really yeah. good people who work there. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, 
the community that's that that plays Dota, yeah, is really toxic. Um, yeah, and so it doesn't really matter what Valve says or does in a lot of ways, um, because the community is super toxic. And yeah, I mean, I shouldn't say it doesn't matter. They have the ability to influence that community, but they don't necessarily pull all the levers that they could. And I I, I worry that that these companies maybe won't take those steps either, but this is a good step to take in any case. So hopefully it's an exemplary of like further action in the future to try to make those communities safer places for people. And yeah, it's Alex, go ahead. Weirdly, one of the communities that seems to be the most inclusive in that sense, especially with having top tier women players is call of duty. Which is yeah. surprising to me that that's the one yeah. more so than yeah. like the fighting game or the MOBA community. Like you do have some like Scarlet was a StarCraft two player who did really well, but mm-hmm. like Scarlet that, also like, got incessantly harassed and harassed. Yeah. yeah, but like so like you can point to a few, but you're completely correct in that like uh, especially Dota and stuff like that. Like you just. I feel like people feel intimidated because of the community and the toxicity surrounding it. I will say from the little bit that I have, um, forget the name of the, the woman there's, um, call of duty. One of the, the key community leaders, um, at infinity ward is a take no shit woman who is like, fuck you. This is not a tox. The, 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 the toxic elements of this community are not welcome. Me as a representative of the company is saying you are not welcome. And she's really cool, and and they they, I think almost every game studio could do a better job of fighting toxicity. But I think that they are trying to to do it at some level at least. Um, and there's an earnest desire to do that within Infinity Ward, um, which you know Call of Duty now means like four different developers as the leads, and then yeah, dozens what is of the esports teams, scene but. for Call of Duty even like? It's Call of Duty League. It they th- this okay. year was their big year to like make it uh-huh. huge, and uh-huh. then everything happened. Um, but Whoops. they have yeah. they have it's it's actually quite cool. Like they have city based teams. I hope it comes back next year and has another shot. Activision is all about that, huh? Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> I I like it. I think it's cool. Like we have the Seattle Surge here, which we're not very good, but um, like they the and the idea was each weekend, um. The a different city would host the games, so you could as a you could you could buy a ticket for a weekend of of going to watch them play. I was actually planning on going. It was going to be last month, the the Seattle weekend. Um, and they cover it on ESPN and stuff, and it's it's pretty fun to watch. Um, it's you have to kind of learn more about the game than you do for Overwatch, I think, to make it interesting. But uh, it's it's. It got a scene for sure. It's ju- just that. Oh, I mean, yeah. Call of Duty is popular. I've just, I have no idea what that esports scene looks like because you can play guess, in yeah. Modern Warfare. You can actually play a playlist that's like the pro pro rules, where it limits the weapon pool and limits the maps and puts it on See, hardcore mode. That's, that's where you lose me. Like, if, pro, if you want to play the game, play the fucking game. It's the same thing with Smash. No, no items. If you're going to play the game, play the fucking game. Well, I can tell you having two or three beers and goofing around on my computer, I do not want to play Modern Warfare the way the pros play it. <laughs> so it's, it's, I like the separation. 
it's uh, yeah no they just like i don't know there's you can do like the hardcore competitive shit but it should be all the same and just be like okay here's the rank here i'm gonna take this seriously and if you're gonna be like oh this gun's broken or it's poorly balanced i fuck off that's the game baby (laughs) but anyway I think that's that, a different conversation entirely that, that, that we can have sometime. Yeah, yeah no. It's <laughs> about Modern Warfare All items, but. all items, I'm willing to admit, high uh, high spawn rates on all items. It's a little much in uh, Smash Bros. Ultimate, but all, all items is the way to play. Um, Final destination. Speaking of Smash Bros., actually, I did not mean to do this. Um, uh, pivot or segue but holy shit yeah there's just a lot a lot came out about the smash bros scene in particular in the fighting game stuff yeah and i would say too much for us to cover in this episode oh yeah 100 percent. i i have not been able to follow things this week i just saw like in the kind of like okay smash community is kind of having a a culling of sorts. And then I looked at this list that Alex has in this document and it's just so long. So many players named. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think it's an interesting contrast to not to take away from the actual human pain that's happening right now in that community. But I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar. Enough. I mean, it's such a long list. I'm not familiar enough with each, well, each person to really speak to the individual experiences, but I mean, has Nintendo even said anything about this? I Nintendo don't so. did remove. No, Nintendo did make a statement. Oh, okay. um, it was it was like pretty toothless. But one of the people who was accused, Nairo, um, he had like a featured or he had been like interviewed and had a video on Nintendo's um, YouTube, and they removed that. So like they they are paying attention, they're acting and responding, but it's a little like. Oh, we stand with the, you know, we don't stand for, um, you know, abuse and violence yeah, yeah. towards people. It's, and stuff it's like just that. an interesting, like, I feel it, it shows an interesting contrast. I think like you look at a company like NetherRealm and I feel like with the way they run events, even separate from events like Evo, they seem really, really involved in their community. And it seems yeah. like they're like actively like. Hey, we're doing a community event, and at this community event, we're going to reveal new characters and stuff yeah. like that. Whereas Nintendo's Nintendo just awful. is so hands off with the Smash community, and it's like all communities. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But the Smash community seems like the one that really needs the moderation, I guess. And it, I, I wonder how long we're going to keep giving a company like Nintendo a pass for this kind of stuff. Um, if we're if we want to see these these communities be better moderated and better like safer spaces for people. Uh, I, I, I don't, yeah, Nintendo is famously hands off with the, with the smash stuff. Like they, they're like smashy sports. We don't give a shit. Yeah. And I, I think that is kind of, I don't know if it is Nintendo's responsibility for, especially for these kinds of uh, homegrown communities. You know, like it, yeah, it, I don't know the Smash either. community, like they aren't overseeing the community in much the same way like the Street Fighter team is overseeing. Like they aren't organizing the they, tournaments necessarily they, most of the time. They are more now than they ever were That's with true. like melee and stuff. They're but yeah. they are still pretty like 
here's a patch. Figure you figure out what it is. Yeah, I think like, they have yeah. what we did. They have yeah, less of a yeah. responsibility to directly moderate that community, but I will say they certainly will are are thrilled for people to buy Nintendo stuff. And yeah. if if and if it just so happens that the company that is buying one of your most popular the, the community that is like sort of the most passionate about one of your biggest games is has a lot of awful elements in it. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think they should be like kicking down the door on people's hotel room tournaments and saying like, you can't do this. But I think silence is definitely complicity. And I really would love to see them take a more active stance in speaking out against this not necessarily the specific individuals because yeah. it's not their yeah. their their call necessarily, but to totally. speak out in general yeah. about yeah. Yeah. the conditions Here. in that space. Here's what they said to IGN. At Nintendo, we are deeply disturbed by the allegations raised against certain members of the competitive gaming community. They are absolutely impermissible. We want to make it clear that we condemn all acts of violence, harassment, and exploitation against anyone and that we stand with the victims. Yeah. So they don't even like say like within our community or the Smash Bros community. They're just like competitive gaming. A big part, and I won't keep hogging the mic on it, but a big part of this of 2020 for me in general, and I think that you guys have probably seen it in some degrees in the way that I talk in our private chats. But I'm really fucking tired of the pearl clutching, man. Like, (laughs) say, fucking say. The Smash community has a lot of toxic elements and we need to address this. Like, like, we need to get over the way as a global society, we dance around these words and we dance around specifics. Like, we we got to get better about the language that we use for this I, stuff. I wonder how much of it is having hands tied by Japanese, the Japanese corporate uh you know, overlords. Yeah, uh, but I mean, I guess what I'm saying is like, fuck those people if they're saying that you can't say the thing you should be supposed to say. And it's just, it's getting really frustrating to see just the ways in which we continue to try to like push like uh, civility is even the wrong word. It's, it's just like the way that like communication isn't evolving with the horrific problems that we're facing as a, as a global human society. And, and it's, it's really, really frustrating to watch. Um, And because people are, companies are afraid because companies' marketing departments are afraid of losing some sales. People aren't willing to say, companies aren't willing to say and address the specific things that they should be doing. I think um, uh, to that extent, especially you're seeing it in the gaming industry, and it's been kind of touching on what you were just talking about, is the fact that it's just a lot of words right now. You're not seeing that many yeah. actions. Uh, like Talk is cheap. The real totally. change you will see is when people start making things happen. And like that's kind of what I was getting at before, where I was like, I'm not glad that it had to happen in that it we got here, but the fact that Evo shut itself down so fast is a good yeah. thing because that's an action, and that is seeing and, that yeah. is actionable totally. items that we're seeing. That's like, nope, we're not tolerating this bullshit, and you're seeing it within Smash too. Like, it's not it's not an event being canceled. You're seeing like the entire community kind of collapsing in on itself, and yeah. But but they're also self auditing. They're saying like, okay, we're taking the time to really analyze all of this and say, how are we going to change this? Rather yeah, than just I, saying, I have oh, seen, this sucks. Yeah, I have seen some folks with like some 
I'd say like questionable takes right now where it's like now, now Nintendo's never going to support our community. Like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, why should they? There's, <laughs> like, well, that's, that's a direct consequence of your actions then friend. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think a thing that is true and you know, I, I don't have, um, I have thankfully not been in communities where that I know of where this kind of stuff is happening to the degree that it's happening in the smash community. But as someone who's really into tabletop games, tabletop games have famously as a community had a problem being welcoming, a welcoming space for a more diverse range of people. Like most tabletop gamers are cis straight white men for sure. Um, And that's especially true when you look at uh, games like, you know, uh, Warhammer and magic um, or magic. Yeah. Magic is a little more diverse ethnically, at least, but um, but certainly get, it is. Get it is them a, Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Baby. It is a a, a, a male dominated um, uh, kind of space, and I can say as a member of that community that if anyone says in the Smash community who's active in the Smash community that it's not their fault because they're not a harasser or whatever, and they're not friends with the harassers, you still can have an impact on your community. Like you can be an I try my best and I probably could always be doing better too in my local tabletop community to be a really active voice for, Hey, you know, we don't really have any women playing this game and maybe it's a lack of interest, but we really should try to make sure we're a welcoming space whenever people who are not like, just like all of us are interested in playing these games and you need to be active in that way in those communities that you participate in to try to push for diversity, whether it's whatever kind of diversity it is and making it a safe space. That's an active thing that you have to constantly do. Just not being a bad person isn't good enough. There's that. There is opening the door, but there's also Mm -hmm. keeping the house clean. Yep. You know, like if you're seeing bullshit in your community, don't just laugh at it or set it aside. Just like call it out and like, you know, eschew those people if needed. Yeah. Yep, and that is exactly part of the 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 same coin. Is you also have to call it out when you see people behaving in a shitty way. Um, you know, if I hear someone make a shitty joke or use, there was a time when there was a player in our community for one of the games I play who used the R word, and I was like, "Okay, stop now. We're not using that word." And it was a thing, but it had to. You have to address that stuff when it comes up and when you see it. Um, and you have like that's you have a responsibility. I think. To do that, yeah. Um, yeah, and to step back into the Smash stuff, like we're definitely not going to talk about all of it, but it is profoundly shitty. And if our listeners want to listen, I'm going or uh, read about it. I am going to put a link, the link that Andre mentioned in the in the show notes. Yeah, it's just so many, so many. It's oh God. it's yeah, like it's fucking intense. Like I don't even know how to approach it. So yeah, I don't think yeah, we're, we're we're the people to do it. No. Um, further, further, um, going down this road of shitty things. Oh, uh, I mean, this is kind of continuing on from like the previous week, where a bunch of stuff came out about Ubisoft. Uh, various people there, yeah. uh, and Ubisoft has suspended a number of employees accused of misconduct. And abuse, including a few top executives. I'm not. Yeah. I, I was not able to follow the story this week. I don't know what happened. 
Can either of you illuminate this for me and our listeners? Um, there's just, it's very much what we were seeing last week. It was uh, people in positions of power mm-hmm. abusing that power and doing some real hot bullshit. Like you had your So Andy, the same with Andy, these two executives? And, yes. And Andy Benahi uh, was named among those who was. Mm-hmm. Uh, who? who oh, sorry. Go for it. These weren't both. I I kind of admittedly did not pay as close attention to the Ubisoft stuff because at a certain point it was just such so clear that that company is such a hive that I sort of checked out in a way that I shouldn't have. But like Maxime Balan was that was like not necessarily a case of it was more like workplace like emotional abuse. I thought. Like some of these no. cases were more like that. No, okay. Uh, Maxine yeah, then was, I don't know. Uh, sexual harassment and assault. Okay. Well, there you go. At a certain point, I wonder what the what where you have to start saying things like "fuck Ubisoft." I'm done. Assassin's Creed looks cool, but not There's until a lot, I hear a lot things of get people better. who work at Ubisoft. I know. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's the tough part, right? Yeah, they. You know, they've been taking action. Like the creative yeah. director of Assassin's Creed, uh, Valhalla. Left. I don't know if he was booted or he was like, "All right, I'm resigning." I think like he resigned. Is, yeah, Ashmi or uh, sorry, I, I can't. Ishmal. Ish, uh, <laughs> I can't remember his first name I, now, but it's Ash. I don't remember. Ashraf. Yeah, I always knew yes. it was Ash. So yeah. Um, sorry to step back uh, to give context to Belon in particular. Um, Bellon's departure, described as a quote, resignation, follows a stream of allegations posted on social media accusing the Ubisoft executive of choking a female employee at a Far Cry party Jesus and Christ. several forms of sexual harassment. Like so. Okay. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's it's fucked up. Um, and to that extent, Maybe we should we, put a content warning on the beginning of this podcast. Yeah, we, just to we, say we, like, we, hey, we, the beginning we talk about some shit. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. but um, I think it is an interesting interesting is the wrong word, but a difficult line to walk. Of do you support Ubisoft? Because on one hand, this stuff has been happening behind the scenes for a very long time and been protected by Ubisoft. Yeah, but also they are yeah. doing stuff about it. So it's yeah for but for me it's a wait and because see. Because they got caught, right? That's the thing, and that's what yeah. I'm so. Is it is it that they got caught though? Because like, uh, kind of like we were talking about last week, I think it was the not the original, the first people who came out and were very open about the abuse they went through and actually putting names to it, which kind of caused a surge of others to do the same. Um, So if so, I think they're not like you know certain things like lower level employees and like mm -hmm. the positions of power stuff, but like. Choking a woman at a Far Cry party is yeah. like, as an executive is like. I mean, the, that's, the, you should go to jail. Like, yes. let's let's be clear. Oh yeah, there's no <laughs> argument. Know? No argument. No, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. We agree. And and I guess I just that's one of the things that I'm really struggling with right now in my own response to these things. Um, is what 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 is the right call? Like, should we even be talking about you know hyperscape? Later in the show, given all of the shit that's happening and coming out from Ubisoft about all of this awful stuff, like it's not necessarily the team that made Hyperscape's fault, but at the same time, at what point do we start saying like these companies need to not only show action 
right now, but then maintain the kind of conduct that is like appropriate. And then, then you look at it and go, well, maybe now it's say it feels good to talk about their products again. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't have the answer. Well, it's, it feels to me very similar to what you were saying about the smash community or the fighting game community who were saying, I didn't do that. I didn't even see it happening, but what should they do? Like yeah, they should, they should, they, and, and it's very much the same way. It's very analogous to, I'm sure there are Ubisoft studios somewhere where none of this was happening. And they're yeah. looking at this like, fuck, we didn't want this. We never, like, we actively fight yeah. against this. But now, you know, our parent company is drowning in it. What do we do? Yeah. And I think we have I guess, to see how they act. Part of me wonders is with, with how awful all of this, how pervasive all of this stuff is, is like, is there a Ubisoft studio somewhere where this isn't happening? Do, oh yeah, I have no can, idea. Can we yeah. say? I mean, yeah. I don't mean they just, employ I'm not like sixteen thousand people. So. No, no, I'm not targeting yeah. even necessarily just trying to target Ubisoft. But it's clear that this stuff is happening at companies everywhere. And yeah, sure, is it is it safe to even think there's anywhere that's safe in some ways? And that's sort of where I get really bummed. Like, well, obviously, I get upset about it way way before that, but that's where it gets hard for me to kind of see the like, maybe things will change because it just seems like it's so pervasive and it's so everywhere. Um, and, uh, like it's hard to even come up with an example of a place that really is trying to do it right, I guess. And Mm -hmm. it's fucked up because it's not new. We were seeing these kinds of stories two years ago. I mean, like, to an extent, like we have the Zoe Quinn stuff from many years ago, mm-hmm. which was very much the same thing. A year ago, we had the Alakaloka stuff uh, leading up to his suicide. Like all this kind of stuff you're seeing in the games industry is just kind of power struggles and people being abusive towards one another. And the solution can't be easy, but it has to happen, whatever it is. Yeah. Because yeah. obviously it keeps happening. And I think that's where a lot of where I get like part of where I, I have a hard time like talking about it in a level headed way is that I just don't even know what the, I don't know what the answer is to really fight this stuff. Like, yes, firing people is good. It just doesn't feel like enough. It doesn't feel like there's enough happening, even in the wake of all this to me, to really combat this horrible shit. Um, and like, I think that like people it extends down to like people who play games. If you hear stories like someone being choked at a far cry party and your response isn't complete disgust, you are part of the problem too. And like you need to be to sit with the way that you look at this stuff because I see in comment threads, a lot of like, well, I guess this is going to take over the conversation for a month and I just want to play games and it's like that mentality is was part of the thing that allows this stuff to keep happening too, um, and it's just so frustrating. Well, the the video game community is very good at dehumanizing. That is something yeah. that they've become experts at. Is you know taking away the human elements and the people who are actually you know on the other side of all of these everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you've seen it. 
with all of this, like you've said, seeing comment threads being like, oh, well, I guess this is going to take over the conversation, or like even the the thing that's been going on the past couple days is people getting extremely angry at Laura Bailey for playing a character yeah. who is a woman yeah. who is muscular. And yeah. it's just it's real I, fucking stupid. I, I don't understand how people can forget the discourses like, so dumb. Or ig- actively ignore the humans. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know. It again, I don't know the solution either. Yeah. Well uh, it sounds like, uh, for, according to you, Alex, Jim Sterling put out a video about kind of the current state of things in yeah. the uh, gaming gaming scene. Yeah, I will admit, um, I'm not a huge Jim Sterling fan in general. Uh, Jimquisition is something I've watched from time to time. Usually I don't, I don't know. He's had some things in his past which I've not agreed with, obviously. Yeah, yeah um, same. But, the thing is, in his video, is he makes a point to call those out about himself, which That's I good. thought was really good. He's like looking back. He says, "Yeah, I have people who tell me all the time that they can't watch my content because they don't support the things I did these many years ago." And yes, I feel terrible and shitty about them, and they have every right to hold those criticisms against me. But I'm working to be a better person. Like that's something he basically says in his video, uh, and he gets extremely livid over. Um, like the women who have had to go through just absolute atrocities just to be a part of the industry. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a very good video. Um, again, good. I, I not usually a huge fan of Jim Sterling, but like I think that video is a hundred percent worth worth the time. That's good to hear. I've pretty much exactly the same feelings on that channel. I think in in that um, vein too, I would say it's worth. I have criticisms, but I'm not going to get into those. Um, I would say it's worth listening to. Kind of Funny's um, Let's Talk About Everything episode mm-hmm. of, I believe it's the Kind of Funny podcast. Um, at the very least, Greg goes into really great detail about like specific issues that he has had, um, not necessarily relating to this topic 100%, but just generally issues of like ignorance and um, saying things that aren't right to say. And stuff like that, and I think it's good to hear people in prominent positions within games media, you know, like Jim Sterling, like Greg Miller, talk about mistakes that they have made in the past, and you know, um, the ways in which they work to get better. Um, because I think there's a lot of people who don't even realize the stuff that they say sucks <laughs> sometimes. Sure. Um, probably myself included. I mean, I'm sure that I say things from time to time that are not cool. Um, and so I think like hearing that people talk about that stuff is a huge step in the right direction more broadly to make games more inclusive. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. 100%. Uh, that is going to do it for the abuse allegation <laughs> section of the podcast, I guess. Uh, last uh. thing. Oh yeah, no, it's a hot transition right there, baby. No, I'm Into- just, I, I, I'm kind of I'm just upset that this is not yeah. the first time we've had this fucking section in the past month. Oh uh, yeah, won't be or the last time. in general on this podcast. I don't think yeah. it's going to be the last time either. No. Um, a last bit of serious serious news uh, is Twitch streamer Byron Reckful Bernstein, uh, known for his WoW streams and Hearthstone, uh, passed away. Uh, 
seems to be suicide. I don't know if it was ever confirmed, but the talk around it has been that it was suicide. It seems there have been a few suicides recently in the streaming community. Yeah. Uh, and it sucks, man. Yeah. Um, one positive thing which has come out of it, I mean, that's, I don't want to make any light of it at all yeah. because it's, it's awful. Um, but it has prompted some very open discussions about mental health and um, yeah, yeah. depression and how it is not a bad thing to seek counsel if you're feeling extremely depressed or anything like that, yeah. uh, to normal potentially normalize it and say it's it's okay to do so. Um, I think there's a lot of people who point to suicide hotlines. They will, you know, send tweets or send messages with access to those numbers. But mm. to those who go through severe depression, like I, uh, I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder many years ago. So still a thing I deal with. Um, is that you don't want to call those. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you, If you're in that state, the last thing you want to do is call that number. So it can be fairly empty, and yeah. I really hope, I'm, I'm sad that Byron um, had to go through that and probably felt as though he couldn't talk with anyone about it, but yeah. if anyone is going through that or you potentially know anyone who could be going through that, Get in touch with someone, like just someone you know. Like if if it's you that is being affected, just reach out to anyone you care about. Just you know, it doesn't have to be about depression. It can just be a quick chat, you know, just yeah. conversation. I, I think it's so important um, for everyone, but especially if you are someone who is you know privileged enough to not um, have depression or to be or or who's not as prone to depression make sure you educate yourself on the ways to talk about that with people and the ways to to um to help people because it can be really really scary when someone tells you that they're feeling that way um but there's certain things that you should not say in response and not do in response um, and it's really, really helpful to learn about that stuff and to understand that even if you feel that you have perfect mental health, you should still learn about mental health concerns because it could be the, I mean, it can be as powerful as learning CPR and stuff like that. So, um, and then, you know, also to second, to, to kind of echo what Alex said, just talk to the people that, you know, even if you don't think that there's someone who could be going through some stuff checking in with friends, doing wellness checks and stuff is really important, especially right now because yes, like it feels like the end of the fucking world. And if you're someone who lives with depression, um, right now can feel crushing. Um, I think it does for a lot of us either way. Uh, but, um, definitely like talk to people that, you know, just check in and say hi. If you, if you haven't talked to somebody in a little bit. Um, and, and I think, you know, you can be open and honest too about like, checking in with people because you're concerned about your friends. Um, no one, the worst thing that's going to happen is someone is going to go, that's weird of you. I'm not depressed. It's fine. Like just that's don't ask them how happen. they're doing. Just don't ask them how they're doing. Just like <laughs> nobody wants to answer that question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's an interesting question at this point because 
Uh, I was talking about this with uh, my best friend here, who is from China, and she says in China, no one ever asks that because it, you, you don't know how to answer. <laughs> Um, yeah. You don't know how to be honest about how are you doing. Well, things are extremely fucked up, and I'm just not handling it well. You know that doesn't. Yeah. Start, that's not a good start to a conversation. Yeah. It's it's I've better had to have conversations about that with my girlfriend. <laughs> and sometimes yeah. it's hard. Like I have a one of my close, very close friends. Um, we hadn't talked in a little bit, and you know the stuff that came up when she was asking how I was doing was all negative stuff, and I'm generally doing really well in the face of all of this horrible stuff from a personal mental health perspective. And so, but, but we hadn't talked in a bit and it just happened. It just so happened that I was like, well, X, Y, and Z are really frustrating me right now on a personal level. And you know, like her response was like, do you have a therapist? And it's like, <laughs> you don't, we don't need to, I mean, I'm not, I'm the kind of person that I'm not going to get offended at that question, but at the same time, it's also okay to just have some things that are bothering you. It doesn't always yeah. have to be a jump. You shouldn't, this is what I mean when I say like, learn about how to help and talk to people that are going through stuff. Just learn to be more empathetic because if someone tells you, Oh, I'm really having a hard time. Cause I, I really want to get out and go hiking and I'm really, really frustrated. Cause I feel cooped up, blah, 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 whatever. You don't necessarily have to jump to, are you in crisis? Uh, yeah. So it's it's kind of just at an interper- on an interpersonal level. I think learning about how to identify stuff in your friends and speak to it is is really helpful, um, so that it doesn't make people feel worse, and it does, and and, and you can be a force for positivity in, in people's lives. Yep, uh, it's. Just it's a real hard time out there right now. Uh, yeah. You've got someone you can talk to. You don't even have. It doesn't have to be. Oh, I'm going to dump all my problems on them. It doesn't have to feel like that. Just find someone you can chat to, and they, sometimes that can make a world of difference. Yeah, and uh, for what it's worth, um, again, as someone who's been in those kinds of mindsets and that place, that mental health state. Uh, if you are feeling like you're doing it or going through that potentially, chatting with someone via text is fine. If you can call someone, it's way better, especially yeah. if it's a good friend and just have a a voice conversation. Yep. Uh, it it sounds minor, but it makes a profound difference at the time. Yeah, especially yeah. right now when you people probably don't have much human contact if they're yeah. being smart. The more you can make that contact, the closer you can get to it being a in-person kind of thing is, yeah. is is better in a lot of ways. Yeah. Regardless, I I wish nothing but the best for Rickful's family and friends yeah. and just yes. anyone affected by it from from, you know, from his community who may never have met him all the way down to uh, you know, his significant others, his parents, etc. Yeah. Um uh, it's it's difficult. I mean, all of us are Giant Bomb members or community. We saw Ryan Davis. He passed away seven years ago yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. Fuck Ryan death, Davis. Yeah, death affects communities and yeah, just people. It's not something to make light of. Nope. Yep. Anyways. Well, yeah. well, with that said, 
let's move on to the more typical a more typical news week i guess and then if we still got some time it doesn't mean it's happy no more (laughs) average average news fucking uh, horrible stuff may, may, hey maybe we'll talk about games near the end of this yeah <laughs> may, speaking maybe of, speaking of other fucking horrible stuff amazon's crucible <laughs> is now well, in closed really beta bad. got him uh, uh, no, that that story was the, they, they pulled it what uh, it's like ashes cricket almost like they put but, it out and they went, Oh, this is so bad. No one wants to play it. I guess we got to pull it down. I, I love the, f- Oh, sorry. Please go for it. Pat. I think it's funny that they pulled it. So they pulled it backwards into closed beta. Yeah. After coming out for full release. A full and release. I don't, I don't know if you can say it's a closed beta. If there's only like four people playing, <laughs> like if it's because people don't want to play, it's not really a closed beta. Yeah. So they say they've built like a player council of like hardcore to casual players, you know, everything in between to get feedback and talk about the game. And like, if you had downloaded the game and like installed and played it, you can still play it uh, as of, I don't know, sometime this week. Um, That's really funny because that even that makes my joke even more (laughs) real. Yeah, and, but they will also be rolling out invites over time. It's just, oh, good. Yep. Uh, that game, that you game know, was all, bad. All, it was bad. The, all the luck to that team. Hopefully they can figure it out. But it it does go to show between Stadia and Amazon's few games they've been showing. You can't just throw a bunch of money at the problem and expect to walk into like massive gaming success what i will give amazon um some amount i mean it's early so they could fuck this up but some amount of credit for here is it would have been really easy for them to say it had a disappointing first month we're laying off the team and the game's done so Mm -hmm. i think I, i i think it's good that they're employing those that team still and they're giving they're creating an opportunity for that game to maybe have another chance um so I, I, I think that's good. I would rather see it get pulled back to close yeah, beta and see 100%. people still have, having a job. Yeah. Than, yeah it's, than not, they're, but they're doing infinitely better than the movie industry right now. Yeah. But where, at the same time, I don't know if that game's got it. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, that's fine. I was just going to say VFX houses getting closed at the end of movies because the contracts are up and yeah. they're like, well, yeah, yeah. Can't afford to stay alive anymore. Like, yeah, the yeah. fact that the team is staying employed is great. It, it, uh, I it hope is, they make a better yeah. game because the game, it was competent, but I think we talked about it at the time. Like whenever, when was that? Two months ago, three months ago, uh, 40 years ago. I can't, ago? I, I, I think can't it was like remember. a month. I honestly can't remember, but I feel like it was more than a month, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I remember saying at the time that the game design, like the core conceit of what you were playing in that game, just wasn't fun. Um, so I hope they go back to the the drawing board and just come up with something that is, you know, fun. <laughs> well, I May twenty first. The yeah, more the, Jesus, the uh, more that I half. think. The more that I think on that game, while initially I thought some of the character sets were kind of fun, I don't think you can save that game. I mean, I think that that game, I think, I don't think you can save that concept. I think that concept is done. I don't, I don't think it, I I think it's, you can go play Smite. Smite is a good third person action MOBA, a great third person action MOBA. That's it. 
people should stop, <laughs> frankly. Like, I don't think there's new ground to tread in that space of pressing a Q button and an E button and clicking a mouse. Like, well, the good games are there, kind of. That, that and the fact that it was there's a- always going to be like a different market for that stuff. You could say the same thing about like the ground has been tread on pulling a left trigger, pulling a right trigger to shoot a gun. Like, yeah, name a new like, first person uh, shooter franchise that has been good in the past five years. Look at a list. Uh, super hot. <laughs> okay, that's not a left trigger, right trigger game, though. But like, I I see where you're coming from. But um, that game in particular was basically a three v three for the main mode, set in a oh, map yeah, that yeah. was about as big as the fucking PUBG or like Daisy map. So yeah, it's no, like, I'm I'm not <laughs> uh, yeah I'm not saying it didn't have problems. I'm just saying like there's it's always just, there's always going to be an audience for some of these games. It's just. I, do they are they good enough to pull that audience and like have a big enough audience? I so. agree with you. I just think if you're really into the third per if you're really into shooter hero shooters, you're gonna just go play Paladins or Overwatch. Like I, I just don't see people keep trying to make these games and it's just it feels like the MOBA space to me where like eventually we realize that no, League and Dota pretty much did it and and you know, Smite's also there as a different perspective. What about Pokemon, Unite? Pokemon Unite. Yep, that's exactly what I was thinking. And Pokemon, the same thing is going to happen to Pokemon Unite that happened no. to a lot of those other games, except that not at all. Except that it's sorry. Let me rephrase that. What I just said is ridiculously inaccurate. <laughs> it will thrive in the mobile market in China, and so it will stay alive yeah. for a very long time because yeah. that that's just the way that it is. What I'm saying is, in terms of, you're not going to be there's not going to be a major community around Pokemon unite in the West in on, no, on probably Switch. not. Like that's not going to happen. It, it, it could, uh, like it could well, get a Pokemon much Go like younger, huge. more casual audience. Maybe I feel like what I've heard is like Dota and league aren't pulling new players like they used to. And like, once you get so sure. big, there's like a point of diminishing yeah. returns. That's not, I don't know how true that is, but um, yeah, I, yeah, I guess I just I, I think that a lot of those genres that are so hyper specific are just not there's not really I I would love to see someone turn hero shooters on their head on its head. I love the genre, but the more I think about it, the more I just would just go play Paladins or Overwatch. I mean, or they made that new first person shooter uh, to Valorant. But it's not. And it's new. just Counter Strike. <laughs> exactly. Counter-Strike. That's my point. It's my point. That's what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying. Is like also, there's only so much ground to tread on the left trigger, right trigger thing. Yeah. No, I agree with you, and that's why. Like, I don't think I'll probably ever play. I mean, Call of Duty is just good and solid, and it stays good. I mean, and honestly, Valorant Call of Duty. Then why why you buy a new one? Like, uh, honest. Well, that's my I guess. My point though is like. I'm learning lessons. I guess I use I, up until very recently. I was the guy who was like, no, no, I want to see this weird new thing. I'm going to give it a chance. And I'm starting to now go like, no, it's got to really, really prove itself to, to, to be interesting. Um, and, and I think Valorant is a good example. I don't know how well Valorant is doing. I know I uninstalled it this week. Like cause I got sick of Vanguard blocking my Hotas drivers, even though I'm not even using my Hotas right now. Um, so I don't know, like uh, everything I see about Valorant is that it's doing kind of disappointing numbers. I would say that all of this is a hundred percent true in the double A AA and triple A space, but I think indies are still a really interesting space to watch with that because they're more willing to take bigger risks <laughs> and think, try wilder shit. So I think I think those struggle with 
the genres we're talking about from an indie space, I totally agree. But because they need a player base to be successful means that those are inherently not games that really work well in an indie context because Mm -hmm. yeah, you have to be able to get a cue in under two minutes for a game like that to have any kind of legs. Um, And I think to that point, there have been some really interesting indie MOBAs that have tried and they kind of just end up fizzling out because they don't have the player base to keep the game going. Um, I look at a a game like battle, right? Is a really battle, right? Is a phenomenal game. And it's made by an indie studio. And over time it just kind of fizzled because the community wasn't large enough to support the game. When you get down to having 300 people playing, you can't support a team of like 12 people and their livelihood from 300 people buying a $5 battle pass, you know? Totally. Um, so, can't, uh, yeah. it, unfortunately it's, it's a tough, it's a tough market for indies to, to break into, I think. Yeah. And a lot of those games, like the other part that makes the indie scene hard for those games to thrive is that they need polish if they're going to be competitive, because if people find exploits, they will use them. Yeah. So, you know, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, how many how many people do we think are watching Valorant on Twitch right now? Ooh, watching uh, two thousand. I'm gonna guess four hundred and eighty thousand people. I'm gonna say two thousand. Uh, Sixty nine thousand people. Wow, sixty nine point seven thousand. Nice. I way overshot. If Valorant is doing seventy k people on a Saturday morning Pacific time. Uh, that game is it's going to be it's, interesting to see how that game it's the goes. fourth people are on yeah uh, i know but how many people are watching league right now uh league is 228 well okay that's lower numbers than i would have thought that's the highest that i'm seeing here on the main yeah. page or on like the browse page i feel like valorant came out and fizzled really quick uh, uh maybe but i could uh, just I don't be know. It just could be a misconception, which I also, I still like Valorant. I just, you can't play it by yourself. So unless you know four other people who want to play. I think like the, as net infrastructure has gotten better with like consoles and stuff, the ability for, uh, the ability for developers to make these hyper specific co-op games is really cool. I wish I could play them. Like I'd love to play GTFO, but I just living where I do like time zone stuff. It just doesn't make it like a feasible thing. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. So it, uh, it sucks, but like, well, and at least GTFO gone are the is, days of left for dead where you can just jump into a game and be fine. But G- GTFO at least is a co-op game, right? Like Valorant. Yeah. That it is competitive. Competitive. Yeah. It's like you also you have to keep practicing. You have to have your team that you your group that you play with. And I feel like this is maybe a little overly specific, but the specifics of this of 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 those games, I saw it during beta where I had like six friends who were playing. And so it was like, oh, if everyone's on at once, that's too many people to stack. (laughs) So we're going to split into two smaller groups and then it's two groups of three dealing with three pubs each, which yep. sucks. Basically, if you have to talk to anyone in Valorant that you do not know personally, you may as well uninstall the game because you're going to get called slurs and be treated like absolute garbage. You know, so, like <laughs> that's that's one thing that Dota did better is that if, because I would play with a regular crew that was probably about 15 people overall 
and you can obviously just only have five stacks. But like, let's say you have six people and you want to do a match. It's like, well, does that one person sit out? No, you can put him in as a coach. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's what you need. Uh, is you basically need a glorified spectator slot. <laughs> I had I've I've played a lot of games where people would just be like, ah, oh, too many people. Like we, I'd rather just sit out than split into like two smaller groups. Exactly. So totally. Like, that's yep. been my experience. Yeah. But, um. But yeah, it's it just and I guess I'm kind of speaking to like if games had better communities. Yeah. And yeah. like yeah. on Twitter I said maybe Valorant, maybe Riot should work on improving Valorant's community. And granted, I got like hundreds of likes on the tweet. The ratio was good, but I also got hundreds of people DMing me, calling me awful not hundreds. I got dozens of people DMing me, calling me really awful slurs and stuff and responding yeah. to the thread saying that I'm a piece of shit and I'm the problem with video games because I can't sack up and deal with it and stuff. Like I was like this is absurd all i said is that valorant's community is toxic and, and people, you're proving the point and every and it's like people came out of the, that was part of what led to me just saying like you know what fuck this game if that's yeah. what if that's how you all feel then i will definitely leave and i think you know companies gotta gotta it, it kind of where we went a little off topic from what the original thing was but sort of to circle back to it those are all pieces of the puzzle in trying to make a game a competitive game work and if you're not willing to solve that entire puzzle, it feels like you shouldn't even take it out of the box. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of communities uh, coming together and toxicity and maybe maybe try to do something nice, uh, EVE Online, back in the news. There was like a bunch of places you could have taken that, so nice. Yeah, uh, EVE Online, back in the news. Uh Holding players are holding a full scale war in celebration of a terminally ill player's birthday. Yeah, it's. I don't know if you guys have read the article, but it's it's kind of amazing. Um, the 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 player in question, Chappie, I think Chappie seventy eight. I think Chappie. Um, but he 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 has a terminal illness. Uh, they don't know if he's going to make it another year. That kind of thing. Uh, and he's saying that this might be his last birthday. So the Eve online community basically gathered and surprised him by just showing a massive event. You know, just like just having literally just a full scale war, and like That's, it's okay. It's kind of amazing. Like I, I I love when Eve does this shit, man. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know if you if it's been a bit since Eve came up. Um, we haven't talked about it much on this podcast, but if you haven't played the game, one of the things that's so impressive about these sort of war events, and obviously this is a tragic thing that's that's um, that's inspiring this one, um, though also it's it's cool that they're trying to help him have a great birthday, is this is not a situation like, this is not like you're playing Rust or PUBG or something where it's like, Oh, you die and you requeue, or oh, you die and you lost like a week of working on your house or whatever. This is like you can you can actually extrapolate this out to like real money value, thousands of, of dollars. It's it's sometimes it's like tens of thousands of yeah. dollars in damages done because when you have the huge ships in this game, I mean, the biggest ships take months of crafting time to build, and so when they go down. It's like really huge. It's a big deal. And so when they throw 
hundreds and hundreds of these massive ships at each other and they're exploding on both sides. Like it's, it's exciting because it's like, wow, this is actual material stuff that's getting <laughs> wrecked in these big Eve wars. Um, it's really cool. Yeah. 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 Um, I'll put another link to an article in the show notes, but it's worth a read. Um, Chappie, his story is really interesting. Uh, he was discharged from the military after being uh, hit by an IED while serving. Uh, and just his whole story is, is worth a read. And uh, again, I love when Eve does, does this stuff yeah. because it's just so fascinating to watch and, and especially how CCP. Like encourages it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Is if you read the article, you can see too. Like, what happens is Eve has you know tens of thousands of players, and it's one server. So those yeah. players are generally spread out, and um, so their server architecture can keep up with. I say one server because it's one in the way we think of like MMO servers. It's sure. obviously lots of different machines yeah. clustered together yeah. to maintain. Like, you can think of it stuff. as well, you can think of it as one region in its yes, just and the world. What's interesting is the way that it is. In, it is not instanced. I know you're using it in a different way, but again, the way we think of it, you know, if you are in a system in Eve, you're seeing all the other players that are in that system playing the game anywhere at all times. So when thousands of people get in one area, it can obviously be a technical challenge for CCP, but instead of just the server going down, they actively go, okay, there's going to be a battle here. Yes, it's 2 a.m., we need to get on and start and work on providing this infrastructure for people. And so they yeah. actively move resources around and shunt power and stuff to, to make it work. And they turn on this thing called time dilation, yes. which slows the combat way down I love so it. that, so that the, <laughs> the, the system can accurately calculate the, like, you know, the, the quote, the line here, it says like, slows combat down. So servers can keep up with the hundreds of thousands of missiles, bullets, and lasers cleaving through player ships. Like having seen that live, it is so fucking wild because there really are like hundreds of thousands of hit calculations being done at any given time. Um, and and that they're able to like make the system work to do all that accurately is so cool. Yeah. Yep. Uh Eve continues to amaze. Uh you know, and- do you know it was it was so weird. To have nice news for once, <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, welcome. It's, I mean, it's. I mean, ultimately, the fact sad. that there's, is, there's like a there's a sad undercurrent, yeah. but the, look the, at an Eve War and go, oh yeah, Eve Eve Online War. Yes, it, it's finally it was, I feel something. It's because it was a celebration. I think. Yeah, um, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It was a the Eve community a, coming together to do something nice for somebody. The yeah. Eve community has its super toxic elements too, but oh, yeah. oh, it, is, God, it yeah. is cool yeah, the way that course. it comes yeah. together sometimes. Not for sure. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of, not, I don't know, is it companies coming together, uh, companies doing something that they should have been doing a long time ago uh, and addressing their toxic communities, something we were talking about earlier with Ubisoft and just in general, Microsoft is mm. starting to ban folks who put certain symbols on their cars in Forza. The uh, liveries, I believe, is what they're called. Mm-hmm. You can put all sorts of stuff on there. You can put anime ladies on your car. Yeah, you can. You can put, uh, you can put uh, different anime ladies on your car. You can put a Goku yeah, on your car. You can put guns on your car. You can make yeah. put a cool gun on the side A weed leaf. Uh, yeah. But things you cannot put on your car may include something like the Confederate flag, swastikas, 
and the rising sun from the Japanese imperial flag. Yeah. So Which is good. The, the sun with the the rays coming yeah, off of yeah. it, right? Yeah. 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 Which is still yeah. used by the Japanese Navy. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't I can't speak to that culturally <laughs> at all. Yeah. I know that Neither. for a lot of for a lot of people in um, oh, Korea yeah. and China and a lot of places, yeah. that flag is absolutely a hate symbol. So yeah, oh yeah, it's you flown by the nationalists who are all yep. anti-immigrant here. And so I mean, I think yeah. Sorry, go for. It. I think it's so cool to see that they're well, cools maybe the wrong word. It is positive to see that they're that they name things like the Confederate flag in this statement because that is a symbol, probably in a similar way to the rising sun in Japan. That here. It's only been in the last few years, like when I was a teenager and I would talk about how the Confederate flag is a hate symbol, I get laughed at. Like people didn't think of it that way on a large scale here um, and didn't look at it that way. And of course, there's still a lot of people here who are trying to try to make arguments that it isn't a hate symbol, but it really is. And so it's really encouraging to see this is one of the great things that I think is coming out of all of the, the strife, um, in um, political strife that's occurring in the, in the U S is, is that that thing should be looked at the same way as we look at other hate symbols. Like it's a different scale and a different thing. I think it's, I don't think it works to like say that the Confederate flag is the same thing as a swastika because they mean very different things and are both awful in their own way. But at the same time, I think we should look at the Confederate flag that way in this country. And I'm glad that, that companies are starting to take a stand, whether it's NASCAR or Microsoft or whatever, and starting to really show that that's a hate symbol. Sure. Yeah. And even thinking back, let's say 15 years ago, um, as someone who does not live in the United States of America, uh, for us back then, it was very much like, Oh, that's the Leonard Skinner thing. Right. It's like, yeah, right. Like you don't, we, like we never saw it. Like we didn't have the history behind it. But now that that's coming yeah. out and people are actually associating it with that and putting whole movements behind it, it's like, oh yeah, no, fuck that. <laughs> God, my, my cousin lives in Alabama. I don't have like a close relationship with them at all. Uh, but they post the most asinine shit on <laughs> Facebook, uh, like at the bowling alley with like. My friend, my my baby, and my ba- my friend's baby, and I'm like, okay. And they don't mean like they're infants; they mean like they're boyfriends. But uh, cool. Uh, she she posted, so she posts shit like that. But then she posted. This was like in high school, so like I don't know, ten ish years ago. She posted a bedazzled Confederate flag, said like the South will rise again, and I was like, hey, yo, this is uh, this is fucked up, yeah. and just like a bunch of you know uh alabama people be like no it's our heritage it's not fucked up is you know i'm like you're you're talking about secession again and talking about secession based around the idea of owning human beings yeah yeah. like that's the thing that i think i've had that conversation with um acquaintances i don't even know that i would call them friends in in the south or who think they live in the south who actually live in fucking ohio or somewhere um, <laughs> north of who, the mason dixon who will argue that you know the confederate flag is a symbol of their heritage and it's like yeah your fucking racist heritage your heritage that was about like awful horrific things crimes against people's human rights if that part of your heritage you want to sell is, yeah. is something you want to celebrate fuck you like you're that's awful yeah. Um so yeah, it's it's definitely 
that's one of those things. Like that's one of the, like when I talk about being frustrated about pearl clutching, that's sort of what I'm, one of the things I'm getting at is like, no, we need to just say, if you fly this flag in your backyard and you're educated on what it means, fuck you. And if you're not educated on what it means, you need to be instructed. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And if you're going to push back about that and say, well, there's no, what it means to me, then like you suck. (laughs) You're not a good person. (laughs) If golden girls could figure this out. Yeah, exactly. Fucking coming for the gadsden flags next yeah god uh well speaking of people who need to be instructed and uh just all around nasty people the harry this is gonna be a weird segue but the harry potter devs are a game the harry potter game uh was confirmed uh being made by avalanche not confirmed via a report by Jason Schreier who spoke to devs at at the avalanche that worked on Disney infinity, not the avalanche that makes just cause. Yeah. Just cause, just cause cause. Okay. But anyway, which uh, that news a year ago would have excited many people on this podcast. Oh yeah. Uh, With still trepidation. Yeah. This this isn't, the, yeah. the, this news we we have talked at length about what we want from a Harry Potter game and, uh, footage did leak I believe we talked about it um, but recently uh, J.K. Rowling once again had a transphobic rant uh, on Twitter which was a culmination about, of years of transphobic behavior behavior <laughs> and like, social media just, practices yeah th- saying things on social media and <laughs> yeah. just like oh I'm not transphobic but mask is fully off at this point yeah i'm not transphobic and here's why i'm not transphobic actually transphobia like uh oh there was a thing where she uh she said she loved stephen king so much and respected him and then someone asked him if trans lives matter or trans women are women and he said of course trans women are women and then she like deleted all her stuff about stephen king yeah uh anyway so there's a bit of the story that i'm like mm, looking at because of what we just said uh jason schreier uh at bloomberg had a story about how some of the devs at avalanche are feeling uneasy and uh uncomfortable working on the harry potter game at this point um because of this uh it the story was a little I feel like didn't dive into that as much as I would have liked, like on those feelings. It was more like, oh yeah, they're uncomfortable. And also, Hey, here's when the game's coming out next yeah, year. And I mean, stuff wh- like that. I'm curious as to what uncomfortable means. Like I would give them the benefit of the doubt because yeah. I assume that, I mean, I, I like to assume that they are uncomfortable for the right reasons, but is it we're uncomfortable because now there's a stigma around this and we're releasing a game or is it we're uncomfortable because JK Rowling is transphobic yeah. You know, and like personally reading the story, I couldn't suss that out. Yeah. Maybe same. I'm just an yeah. idiot, but no, I don't think so. I think it's hard okay. to tell for sure. Okay. But... I'm glad if someone else read the story and also felt the same way. I'm, yeah. I'm glad I'm not the only one, but again, this isn't new information. Like, yeah, this that's been, what I mean is like, if like, you're uncomfortable just now, like, I guess maybe if you weren't paying attention, but you're working on a Harry Potter game, you should be aware of what J.K. Rowling is doing. Kind of going back to my earlier themes, like I think I've seen a lot of people still, and it's a very prevalent thing in my age group because I was the age for Harry Potter. And like I went to book releases at midnight 
and read them in a weekend. And trust me, I grew up on that shit and loved it. We need to be able to say that J.K. Rowling is transphobic and that there's a lot of problematic elements in those books and we should not hold them in the same kind of we need to be critical of them. And the way that I've seen some people that I know say like, well, it sucks that she's transphobic, but you know, it's still my favorite series of all time and stuff is like, that's fine. I'm not saying you can't like a thing from a problematic creator. I mean, I, I still really like Lovecraft stories and he was a virulent, awful human being. Time so, is showing that more and more of the things that we like actually have very problematic yeah, creators. But but you really need to be willing to interrogate the issues in those works. Yes. <laughs> and 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 the sort of like like maybe it's not maybe we can stop s- putting our Harry Potter houses in our Twitter profiles <laughs> kind of thing, you know? Like that's yeah. kind of what I'm getting at is the like the 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 kind of aggressive fandom maybe mm-hmm. s- Maybe as a as a generation, we could start to dial that back a little bit. I think. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. It. Yeah, I don't even know because it's it's not consumerism as culture so much. Like it's you know it's a lot of people's childhoods were very influential books, and it's sure. hard to go like look at something that was that important to you as a formative thing and go. But that I, I I'm not a bad person because I like this thing uh, and like this the need to defend it or something. But like you need to be able to go. This person is bad. I need there are problem there. These problematic elements are not completely divorced from the thing she created. You hit the nail on the head too. It's stop trying to defend it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what yeah. it is. Yeah, I'm never gonna. I I there are I I enjoy. Um, a lot of Lovecraft stories. I'm never going to defend the problematic elements of those works or him as a human being ever. Yeah. I will never, ever, ever argue with someone who points mm-hmm. out how awful he was. Yeah. And that's, and how awful certain parts of those stories are. And I think that that's the kind of relationship you need to have with media you, that is problematic like that. You, you can channel your inner, uh, Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. You know, I love Harry Potter. <laughs> But <laughs> yes, yes, that's uh, the but. Not yeah, not, not J.K. Rowling is transphobic, but it is. I love Harry Potter, but uh, exactly, yeah. Uh, be willing to have that. I mean, you know, you are large. You can contain multitudes, yeah. and th- those multitudes can be. Hey, yo, Harry Potter is pretty fun, and J.K. Rowling's a transphobe. <laughs> like it's bad. <laughs> Come on, yeah. All right, and well, also. That's something that isn't new because, like, look at the Wizard of Oz. Look at Judy Garland and how she was treated. And then it's like, yeah, yeah. When you're a kid, you watch that. You're like, this is awesome, and it, you know, it envelops you in its universe. Uh, Then when you're an adult, you find out all the things Judy Garland went through when making it, and you're like, oh, Jesus Christ! No, I've not heard about any of this. Oh, uh, Oh, well, enjoy enjoy going down a Wikipedia hole. Yeah, and and. I also think it's important to say it's 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 one thing it's you can say like Harry Potter is pretty fun, but uh, J.K. Rowling is transphobe. But you should also keep in mind things like maybe portraying goblins the way that oh yeah that she did oh, was fucked, and maybe the yeah. fact that the only way she could the only like Asian name she apparently was able to come up with was Cho Chang is fucked, yeah. Yeah. which is two last and, names. Like that stuff yeah. is bad in those books. There is bad yeah. what people who suck as people 
often also do shitty stuff in the media they create. And we need to be better about acknowledging those things too. And, and that's what I'm kind of getting at with the Lovecraft comparison is like, there is racism in those stories. He was not just a racist writer. Those stories include awful racism in them. And so you need to be willing to say, fuck that. And it's not even like Lovecraft wrote great stories, but it's Lovecraft is a very, wrote very complicated stories that have a lot of baggage and, and severe issues in them. And it is, you you need to not be defensive of those parts of those stories too, when it comes to Rowling or Lovecraft or whoever, or Orson Scott card, whoever it is that you, the the stories you, you like. And there is like a, a bit of like kind of the internet meme thing is like, Oh, these stories just sprung into existence with no creator. That's so weird. Or, Oh, Hatsune Miku wrote Harry Potter or (laughs) whatever, but it's like, it's, you know, ha ha funny joke, but you still have to like tackle these problems yes. that exist within the media. Yes. It just doesn't make it go away, but yeah. Can, can, you we, say, um, can we go back to the Eve online story? That one felt better. Uh, I, I got, <laughs> uh, you know what? I got another uh, feel good story for you. Uh-huh. PS2 piracy is cool now, baby. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, it's fucking awesome. You can play burn DVDs without a mod chip. What's what's the deal here? Uh, I haven't looked into the actual details of implementation, but yeah, that's essentially oh, it. Damn it, Alex! What? I, <laughs> I'm not going to read the GitHub repos of how to do this. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. so this is okay. Let's see if we can find this. Yeah, here. it's it's kind of some homebrew shit where people were able to um, uh, basically burn an ISO of a PS2 uh, game. And which previously you would have had to require. I don't know if you heard that really loud car in the Whoa, background. Yes, but fucking rip it. Yeah, it's seven in the morning. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, fuck, I lost my train of thought. Yes, so you like if you put an ISO on a disc, just a DVD, that wouldn't have worked because of the way that copy protection works on the PS2. You needed to do some stuff, uh, and it's not trivial to just kind of bypass that stuff in the ISO layer. Um, because encryption is intense. Uh, <laughs> not going to get into encryption and salting and hashing and all that stuff right now. That's for another topic for another podcast, probably. Uh, but yes, the community surrounding it was able to bypass all of that kind of shit. And now you can just burn it with a very specific codec, essentially, and just get games to work which, like, like on, on a physical PlayStation 2, which is pretty and cool. And you can get like emulators running, like people... They're like a SNES yeah. emulator, <laughs> and yes. uh, it's it's awesome. <laughs> uh, let's see, let's see. Uh, so this Kotaku article says he Sea uh, Turt. Uh, I guess he developed. Yeah, he developed a way exploiting the console's DVD player functionality by triggering corruption in video playback and then running a game through the resulting hole blown in the system's copy protection. That's is so like awesome. the too long didn't read. Uh, you don't so need like any special equipment or anything. Like you don't need to use USB stuff or anything like that. Mod chips. Yep. So cool. Um, uh, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, Modern Vintage Gamer is another really good YouTube channel. Uh, he has tons of videos, but he has one about from a year or two ago, which is about um, the initial steps of getting past the PS2 security. 
Yeah, and it sounds like they think that the same principle might work on PS1, PS3, and PS4 as well, uh, but they've not, you know, not confirmed anything or not exposed anything. So, well, yeah. it's it's really cool. Yeah, the homebrew scene is really fascinating when they're working with uh, like discrete hardware like that. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what's next on our our list here. We've got, uh, all right, we can talk about the end of an era or the, 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 an era being reborn. The byproduct of a new era. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, Pat, which one do you want? Oh, um, I'm not going to say the thing that came to mind. Uh, (laughs) neither of these stories are particularly impactful to me. Damn. Let's put it that way. Uh, well, let's talk about uh, we'll talk about Crash Bandicoot Four. It's about damn time. Uh, actually, the game name is It's About Time because haha, it's like it's it's the game's about like time travel, but also it's oh, been such a oh, long time so since Crash Bandicoot oh, 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 oh. Crash Bandicoot Three. So ha, yeah. it's like it's about time. Yeah, if you Cra- kept you waiting, huh? If you don't make a sequel within ten years to a thing, then you have to make a joke about the the how long it's been since the last one. That's a Crash uh, and mandate. Clank did it with just like when they jumped to the PS3. But I know that's what I'm saying. Game it's out, been born it, out. It, they but they put the, out like a game of those like every year. <laughs> at yeah. Once yeah. they started coming out, so. But yeah, uh, it's a stupid they, title. <laughs> I yeah. wish we could just let things die. I wish we could just let things go. Not everything needs sequels. Uh, I think, but, I think but it made money and Activision doesn't I make know, new games. I know. Uh, it, so yeah. would have been better ten years ago, but anyways. Uh yeah. Uh some people were worried that there were going to be microtransactions in the game because there were uh, some costumes. It, it, yeah, it was beyond worry. They were actually like able to like say, like, yeah, um Toys for Bob, I think, had put out the original thing saying, Yeah, there's there's not going to be like DLC or microtransaction stuff. Then the people were able to point directly to DLC and what looked like microtransactions. There were so there are some costumes that you get with a digital version of the game mm-hmm. um, that that don't cost any extra money. They just only come with a digital version of the game, and they're like no microtransactions planned for the game. But they, I don't know if they were the ones who did Crash Team Racing, like the reboot or the remaster, but they said the same thing. And then shortly after launch or a little bit after launch, they added microtransactions in the way of like a season pass type thing. I want to choose my words carefully because I don't want to be dismissive to people who are excited about this game in any way. I mean that. That's not sarcasm. And I don't want to be dismissive to anyone who cares about this stuff because, you know, fair i'm really surprised that this became a notable story because i cannot imagine like crash costumes in a crash four i just can't it's so odd to me that it became a thing at all that people were yeah tweeting uh, enough about that it caught that the it registered yeah yeah <laughs> i'm i don't know man like Microtransactions yeah, make people mad. Yeah, microtransactions. Yeah. He's out but, here. But <laughs> microtransactions operating within a single player Crash Bandicoot game, it's just like that would be noteworthy if it did happen. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Is if they're yeah. if it, 
I would have, if they had ended up putting costumes with microchip, like that would have been shocking. Like, you remember when there was the whole like Rocksteady was putting tons of cost Batman costumes into the Batman games? Yeah. Oh my god! And, and I you get, had to use like a spreadsheet to figure out which yeah which things you had to pre-order. Uh, yeah. Pre-order bonuses. Look, yeah. I love comic book characters, and I understand being super into like, oh, this is cool. I can be this Batman, but it's also a fucking single player game. Like, yeah, I can pull up a three D model viewer of 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 a character and just look at it. Like, it's just it's. Like it's cool in Batman and, and cool in Spider-Man because a lot of that stuff was like stuff you unlocked through in-game achievements. So then it becomes to me more like, oh, this is neat. Like, yeah, I get a different spider suit because uh, I did these things. And so now I can swing around as this Spider-Man and that's cool. But like the idea of if they were like, oh, we're going to put in four new suits and they're a dollar each for Spider-Man. I wouldn't have given a fuck one way or the other because that's just ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but there are people who do care and still and I don't mean to money, belittle but, them or, yeah. or dismiss them, but it's just it's less that I think it's silly to care and more that I am surprised that there are enough people who care that it would register on Twitter as a as a thing or that are or about. <laughs> enough people to make it worthwhile in general yeah, for right. the developer. But yeah, I right. think I think it's an interesting thing. Um, we didn't write this down as a news topic, but um, there was also the thing that came up where it looks like. PS5 and Xbox Series X games might cost ten dollars more. Uh, uh, some developers are considering: is it 2K is charging seventy dollars for the PS5 and Xbox Series X version of their NBA game? Yep, and uh, the Twitter sphere and the general response to that has been pretty universally negative. Which you know it makes sense, but also. People also don't want to um, have microtransactions in their games. Like yep. the 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 totally. point the point being, development costs have gone way the fuck up. Yep. But costs in the consumer side have stayed relatively the same. So we've kind of fallen into this trap of like, oh, everything's going to cost this much forever. Well, but if but, but if there is also the up, problem, <laughs> yeah, there's also the problem where like wages for many people have not increased mm-hmm. and have stayed astronomically yeah. low. And uh, there are there are certainly people who can afford, especially people who are buying like brand new consoles at launch. Most people should be able to afford like a seventy dollar game, yeah. but with the way that. Like it'll start to price so, especially as it moves more digital. I think it's going to start to price more and more people out of the hobby, at least you know initially. And yeah, you know, GameStop maybe they still got a fighting chance then. I yeah. think it's would be interesting to see how this conversation would go if NBA Two K wasn't the game that was sort of the first one sure. that we were hearing this about because that is a game. Number one, Two K makes fucking ass loads of money. So yeah. if any studio can support development without increasing the cost of their games, I would think it would be 2K. Lots of my, sure. uh, um, microtransactions in those games. And then also, that's the other thing, yeah. is the NBA 2K games are absolutely rife with micro. Like, we're and, talking and like FIFA. Madden, FIFA, yeah. Well, but and really, 2K in particular, it has yeah. all of the problems that Madden and FIFA have, but it also has a core mm. mode where the idea oh, is you yeah. spend money to upgrade your stats like that. You right, can grind yeah. them out. I have a friend who plays, plays my player pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said he always ends up spending at least a hundred dollars a year on point cards because everyone does. So people spend because you can just spend to increase your character's level. And if you don't do that to keep up with people, 
you get matched with in shitty games where you're 10 points lower on the stats line yeah. and then you lose because stats matter a lot in that game. Mm-hmm. So people basically just buy their way up to the cap. That way they can be playing at the cap where then skill is the only thing that matters and like, like actual Twitch yeah. skill with the game. So for NBA 2K to be the one to first come mm-hmm. out as maybe being 70 bucks, I don't have a problem with games increasing. I actually think it's a good thing if it means I, better wages for people working in the industry. Sure. But I think I think if we would. see a greater variation in the yes. scale. You're like, right. You I know, think that's what's going to happen. More sure. 50, more $40 games, yep. more, you know. Uh, I well, think but, that's a good point because like, yeah, like I think it's, we should have a greater scale because yep. uh, to translate this to can- Canadian bucks, if this change happens, a AAA game will cost about a hundred dollars here, <laughs> which is a lot. That's expensive. And, and like, if you start thinking about that in terms of how much a console costs, like you know, like it's a lot of money, yeah. and it's the kind of thing yeah. where parents are going to be like, "Do I really want to spend this a hundred dollars on this one video game, which potentially yeah. might cost more if it has microtransactions?" Like, I see that perspective, but also, yeah, it should. But we, we should be able to recom- recompense the developers who are actually making. Well, yeah, but uh, my my concern is also what's to say that that you know extra ten dollars will actually go to the developers. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's true. It depends on the publisher, I guess. Yeah, um, I also think it's interesting to see if I were in marketing at Two K, and I don't have their financials and stuff, but I would look at Fortnite and go. Holy shit, Fortnite makes so much money. Why are we not making this game free? Let me and play then, a sheave yeah. and dunk a basketball. <laughs> well, like, <laughs> why aren't we releasing this game as a free platform and just doing a like NBA Game Pass every month? And it would make people so much sense bucks. for a sports game. Yeah. I, that's what I find really surprising is like, if you look at the biggest video game in the world, it is, and and it's not just Fortnite. Before that, it was League of Legends. Like, yeah, free to play games make money hand over fist. And it's interesting to me that a studio like Two K would instead go the route of increasing the cost of a game. Yeah, I sure. think if I were someone like Microsoft, and given the approach that they have, I might say, yeah, you know what, Halo Infinite's going to be seventy dollars, but you also have Game Pass as an option. So if you want to subscribe. You know, for the same cost, you can get a year of Game Pass, and maybe that's a better value proposition for you. You know um, what just boggles my mind on this one is how, how that Evolve isn't still around to that, be a mm, test case for this. That, that, Ro- that Roblox is the biggest thing, also. Uh, no, um, that uh, with in the case of this NBA game, that if you want, if you buy the current the ps4 the xbox one version of the game if you want a forwards compatible version that will like basically the upgrade the smart delivery kind of upgrade but it's not smart delivery because you have to buy a hundred dollar version of the game if you want the one that will upgrade to the next gen game when you buy a new console it's just so funny because every year the nba 2k game is always like the, it's starting to impact the actual scores now too where it's like this game is one of the best sports games ever conceived but they're so fucking greedy that it it hurts the quality of the game. And instead of getting better, they're just getting worse. Like, how yeah. is that possible? <laughs> like, I, I don't. I don't. Hey, hey, if they said, hey, you have to buy the $70 version of the game, and then you can upgrade. Or pay a $10 okay. upgrade fee or something. 
like on the sixty dollar like, version. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, if you know you're going to get the new console like soon, because you know you're going to buy the next gen version anyway in a year. So, uh, if you know you're going to upgrade like relatively soon, just pay the seventy dollars up front and get the current gen, and then upgrade. But no, they're <laughs> God damn it. It's just ridiculous. Hey, but at least Crash Bandicoot 4 doesn't have microtransactions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I yeah. think to your point, Andre, and, and that... 2K it, just has so much fucking money from, like, yeah, Grand Theft Auto I mean. and... They God can afford damn. it. damn, yeah. Um, and, but and, but uh, to your point, Andre, I think what it means is the next generation... I It isn't... See, I, my feelings on this are largely positive because we'll have to wait and see if it actually helps with development costs or game costs to increase. But I think... Triple A game cost prices go up. It means there's potentially a way to offset the increased cost, and maybe even it could improve the lives of some developers. Maybe not. Who knows? It remains to be seen. But what it also does is it makes it provides a lot more room for indies who maybe for them, if anything, with something like Unreal Engine 5, it sounds like that might make the pipeline smoother for a smaller developer. Mm-hmm. Um so maybe it means that your $30 experiences will from an indie studio will be a lot more accepted and, and have a yeah. better shot, which would be awesome. Um, so yeah, it, I, it I'm largely positive more people um, buying indie games and stuff. I just, this is not a great time to be pushing, uh, agreed like a, a price increase. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, like yeah, I you know developers should be paid. Uh, if that means they need to charge more for the games, there are certainly games out there that uh, deserve like the amount of time you get out of them. Yeah, like are worth you know seventy, eighty, a hundred dollars. But and right I, now, it's a tough pill to swallow for I, a lot of people. I have a hard time because I don't ever want to come off as classist. Like it's certainly not a goal of mine to say that if you can't afford a $70 game, then it's not for you. That's wrong. And I don't like that kind of thinking, but at the same time, if I look at something like, you know, we see the kind of intricacy in something like cyberpunk, like if they said that that game was going to cost a hundred dollars, I would go, okay. Like it seems you've been working on it for years and for like seven years now or whatever. And that game looks like it has been designed so heavily and so many hours have gone into it. Yeah. I mean, if it means that you're compensating your developers appropriately, a hundred dollars is fair to me for an experience like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm privileged in that I could make that happen and get that. And you're right that it prices people out and that sucks. Um, And so when I say what I'm about to say, I don't mean this as like a, Oh, this is just the easy solution for those people. But I think you're also seeing with a lot of games like that, there are ways to get access to them even digitally, not just used copies within a year that are more affordable. Um, and between sales and stuff and, and, um, and packages like humble bundles and things like that, which I know are not really PC friend or uh, yeah. console friendly. Mm-hmm. Those are more on PC, but um, they've, some of them have moved more that direction, but right. yeah, in general, it's mostly PC based. So, Sony has pretty good sales though. And stuff like that. Like, like if, if, if days gone, if you really want to play days gone, you could get that for pretty cheap at this point, like seven bucks basically. Um, and, and that's not just true of, if you want to play the Witcher three, it's, yeah. it's very cheap to do that at this point. 
Um, yeah. yeah, and games have much longer tails now. Like The Witcher Three has continued to be like one of the top selling games yeah. on Steam. Uh, now, like as more like big name games are coming back to Steam, like EA stuff, it kind of has moved down. But mm-hmm. like you know, you make a game, and with the sales and stuff, they can have really long tails. And so, I wonder where that line crosses. You know, the supply demand thing, where like, yeah. okay, seventy dollars, we stop selling them to seventy dollars. Time to drop the price. Maybe we see just like more price drops down. Like, okay, it's seventy for like six months, then we drop it down to sixty, and then stuff like that, and I, sales and whatnot. But I don't know. I was gonna say there. We don't have to dwell on it forever. But uh, the one thing I'll say is. The video game I have spent the most money on has been Dota 2, and that is a free video game. Yeah, like like I think they are the ones who got it right. Like yes, I know League kind of has fixed it over the years, but I think Dota is the one that got it right from the start, where it is a hundred percent functional right out of the box. Like everything you need to have the full experience is right there for free, and if you want to look cool, you put in some bucks. You yeah. know, like I think they got it right, and I'm not. I don't like the, if that was a seventy dollar game. I don't know if I would have felt great putting in extra dollars to look cool. You know, sure. but like I think over the five years I played it, I probably put close to two or three hundred bucks into it, and that's way more than seventy dollars. So, yeah. like I, I think, but not every some, game can do that. Not every totally. game has that path available to them. Of course, and I think like it's very like. I don't know that a single player game could ever have that because why would yeah. you? You're not showing yeah. how cool you look to anyone else other than if you're taking screenshots. But yeah. like I, I think free becomes the new sixty dollars. And we just have to find the right way to do it. Like I'm thinking of that from a developer perspective as well, because I mm-hmm. it's a hard problem to solve. Yeah. Yeah. And I I guess my thinking is if cost on anything is going to go up to support budgets and livelihoods, uh, I would rather see it happen with like a non necessity. Like as much as I love mm. video games and as much as it is a hobby, I would rather see that cost increase happen there than in housing or food or something like that. Sure. Um, so I think that's part of it is like, if I'm going to pay a premium and increase premium on anything, I would rather it be art, I guess, than um, necessities to live. So I don't know. I, I, if, I kind of, it's been a long time coming for games to go up in price, frankly. If they want to demonstrate and prove and say, like the publishers want to say, this money is going to devs, not executives, then okay, yeah, great. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, but And they won't, <laughs> no, and it won't. That money no. will go into 2K president's pockets. But you know what yeah. the answer to that question is? You don't Supporting fucking these. buy 2K21. Well, yeah, and of course. That's not going to happen. <laughs> so it's so, like, it's tough. <laughs> uh, let, let's just let's just say right here, fucking unionize. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> get, get, get what you're owed. Uh, make it work. And tax people, for Christ's sakes, yeah. in this country. God. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, we, we never talked about, there was some stuff about Game Workers Unite back yeah. a, a week or two ago, mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. Uh with like some racism in that industry or in that uh, organization. And as a leftist, I got to say, I'll be the first to tell you the reason that we can't get anything done is because there's a lot of sexist, racist, less leftists. And yep. until we root that problem out, we're not going to win any elections or win any movement. Yeah. Well, uh, 
Uh, that's oh, okay. We got we got just a few more news stories. Uh, well, just just one, right? Well, one, but I, I don't know. I think the I think you want to talk about the IOX, right? Yeah, that, that doesn't need to be well. That, that that counts as news. You're right. Uh, but uh, end of an era. The 29 years comes to a close, and Andy McNamara, editor in chief of Game Informer is uh, moving on to greener pastures. The Heading to a, a farm upstate. Would you, yeah. say if, would you say it's the end of an Andy McNamara? <laughs> uh, no, it's not the end of Andy McNamara. He is moving on to stay in games, uh, but probably working on the like publishing side of things, or like but, 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 PR I mean, side. I mean, like a Magnum hyphen era. Like he's like a mag, like a condom, <laughs> like, a, like a Andy Magnum yeah. era. What? No, it was saying, a pun. Are you saying a, like Andy Mac- McNamara has a big dick? Like, like is that what we're saying? Okay. It's like an end Andy, of an era. Yeah, Andy Magnum like you, like, era. Like if you look at his name and you, instead of spelling it N A M A R A, you spelled it N A M E R A. So it's uh, like the word era. Let's just dissect this. An, Magnamira. This, this extraordinarily uh, average joke as much yeah. as we can. <laughs> He's it's I don't I don't get it. It's it's the it's, it's, it's not the end of Andy McNamara. He's he's still alive. He's just he's just changing jobs. We have to move yeah. on. Andre, if it's the end it's, of anything, it I think it's gonna be the end of Game Informer. <laughs> that's probably yeah. well, well that's true, but no, yeah, it's it's a condom joke. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> you figured it out the first time. But he's been doing uh, that shit for what twenty over twenty nine years. years. Twenty nine years, Jesus, yeah, almost thirty. Yeah. Um, there is someone else there who has been there. I can't remember their name. They've been there for twenty years. They are also moving on. Yes, oh, I forget uh, their name too. But I saw that article. Um, yeah, I don't think is. Game Informer survives. No, I like, think there's, I don't there's think almost no way. I don't know how much this is. I'm sure what happened is they've wanted to close Game Informer for a while and. Andy McNamara also simultaneously found a good opportunity somewhere. I doubt that this is just like they being GameStop. Yes. Yeah. Um, Game, GameStop's uh, private equity overlords. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. And I, I, I I'm just kind of trying to try carefully because I think that Andy did great work. And I think that yeah. a lot of the folks there have done great work. But I just don't know that. Game Informer is a like for when I worked at GameStop. Even it felt weird to me that GameStop published this magazine, mm-hmm. and to some extent, like the cover stories are cool, and the quality of writing inside of it was good. But I just don't know how you compete with ways that you can just get this news through the internet and stuff like it's they competed yeah. by by having cool cover stories for sure yeah, yeah. but and exclusives I, when things are announced but yeah i don't know like i know that all the that reason, stuff's gonna get turned around and re like reported yeah, like, oh, and, games and a game informer the, says blah 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 the thing the, yeah. the, i honestly i hear about game informer the most because my dad likes video games but he doesn't read gaming websites at all he gets game informer so he like will say like, oh, did you see this this cool thing? And I'll be like, yes, Dad. I found I heard about that two months ago, but it's cool that it's in Game Informer this month. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. it's you know, it's just 
it's just kind of a byproduct of how the era has changed. You know? Yeah. And like, and it's it's too bad. Oh, I get it. So like <laughs> McNamara, but Yeah, it's a condom. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, and I guess I'm, over the over, it's the thing that comes over the magazine when you get it, so that way when it's on the store shelf, you can't read through it and then not buy it. Yeah, I, I guess it. I'm kind of dancing around the notion that like, yeah, it's is it? Well, I don't want anyone to lose their jobs, so that's no. for sure. But no. are we kind of a little too precious about preserving print magazines in an era where, like, in a McNamara, where we can get <laughs> that information like, in a way that's yeah. just. Better. Um, I think, and like they do online stuff. Yeah, yeah, they do. Just, but I think they just need to cut the magazine. You know, like they, they just need you know to move they need on. To cut. They just need to. They need to cut off. So they need to triage. They just need to cut off the GameStop branch and they just need to like separate <laughs> and just be Game Informer. Like, I mean, I mean, yeah. Game Informer is our, like in the past like year, two years, they've lost so many people. Like through layoffs and people like just leaving of their own accord, like Ben Hansen and a few people, like they started a Patreon, correct? Uh, Like people like, and they're especially right now because of COVID, there are not a lot of jobs to go to. Um, Yeah. You know, Uh, if GameStop is still forced to close, I imagine they're not moving a lot of Game Informer subscriptions through their power up rewards. Uh, So I just, I can't imagine there's a lot of money coming into that place right now. Yeah. And there people who were laid off last year still haven't found jobs. And to your point, Alex, I think it's true that they could have cut the print version, but like I'm never going to go to gameinformer.com to get news or information. Like I will click a link if there's a really good story, but my in my inkling is not gonna be it, it's not that I'll never go there because I don't want to. It's just I'm never gonna think uh, when I but I mean you do a marketing, a rebrand thing and stuff like that, and you can you can overcome hard. that. It's hard to get that market oh. share though. Oh, yeah, really sure, hard. Um, you know, Polygon and Kotaku are so entrenched in that span IGN. It's tough to. Yeah. Yeah. It, but it Game Informer is also like an institution. So it's not like they're, you know, starting fresh. It would be it would be a challenge. I'm not saying it would work 100 percent like guaranteed, but like you can you can make yeah, that push. I, I think I think you see with stuff like the escapist that like has a pretty rich history they tried to relaunch and they're not doing so hot. Yeah, um, but there there was a there was a spicy history there. There was, yeah. for sure. Like a, a, but, a less uh, a less pleasant history. But but I guess what I'm saying is there's a pedig- like a legacy there, mm-hmm. but also with with Game Informer, but also that doesn't really matter if you can't get the person who doesn't have any clue anything who Unless you can get the person who doesn't have a clue who Andy McNamara is to click on your link, yeah. it doesn't mean anything if you have a 29 year history. Uh, oh, so yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's that's why I think they would have a hard time rebranding to an all online outfit uh, as well. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I just hope that if there's people there that are going to lose their jobs, they find new ones because I don't want anyone to lose their jobs. Yeah, uh, it just seems like. It, you know, it's a saturation point in the industry. That's uh, yeah, absolutely. Across, you know, across multiple industries with like YouTube uh, subscription things and Patreon and, uh, you know. Uh, well, and that's what I worry about when I hear about Patreons too, is just like, like I think, I think about a Patreon, like people who are, 
I forget the names of the people who were laid off from Game Informer that started the Patreon. I don't think those folks were laid off. I think uh, maybe they, they just left. I think those folks left. And well, like, that's did an even better thing. example than I think of something like groups, places like kind of funny and yeah. stuff. Like generally, they're they make regardless of how you feel about people there, they make very high quality content, and I think that they deserve to have an audience and deserve to have livelihoods based on the content they create for sure. I mean, I think everyone deserves to have a livelihood no matter what they do, but you know what I'm saying? Um, But I wonder sometimes if it's like, are you squeezing out people that really could use those patron numbers by operating that way kind of. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder how like in more niche gaming media, how all that is going to shake out as larger outlets close. Yeah, I, I, it's a very interesting because you can't also say like, oh, well, if the, that this Patreon didn't exist, then those five dollars would go somewhere else. Totally. Because no, yeah, you're they, right. Yeah. Those five dollars might not even be on Patreon at all. Yep. Yep. But yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting a dilemma that is only becoming more and more difficult as patreon becomes worse and worse and uh more and more people are starting patreons only fans and whatever else they may be yeah. uh going and, to and and i mean it's honestly part of why i've always appreciated as i've had my ups and downs with them in terms of my feelings towards people there and um the content that they make and stuff it's part of why i've always felt good about my giant bomb subscription is because and they're owned by a huge corporation, of yeah. course. So I don't, it's a little different, but. Yeah, Whiskey Media. It has always been, for them, it has always felt like I am I am going to giantbomb.com and putting my credit card information into giantbomb.com to give giantbomb.com my subscription money. Yeah. And that's just always felt, it weirdly still feels ahead of its time. <laughs> And Even it, though it's been in, yeah. around for 10 years. And it, 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 so. it gives them the freedom to do the things they want to do instead of the things that they're like, okay, we need to do sponsored videos and, you know, or whatever it is. Yeah. To, and like, I just kind of wish that there. more outlets had that. Yeah. Had that, I guess. Like, like I wish that I could give Waypoint $5 a month and then <laughs> get ad free yeah. shit and exclusive right. streams and stuff. It's you know? just. There's, uh, yeah, I I would love to be able to afford to give all the creators I like more money or money at all, but. uh, Yeah, I mean, or offer, of course, I think you should. I'm not saying lock all your content up behind a subscription either. Oh, no, 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 for sure. I But being able to like, you know, tip them or whatever would would be great. But, you know, for whatever legal reasons or whatever it may be, depending on the site or the organization. Or, you know, whoever it's like, you know, you run into the, the Twitch guys like, oh, oh, can I give the money back? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the car. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like, there's kind of a, you just kind of need to evolve, you know? I mean, look at, I mean. No, but you don't know. Look what happened to evolve. Yes. That's not, yes. the, that's not what the thing <laughs> yes, to do at we all. We all need to get into evolve right now. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I mean. I'm going to start um, a private evolve server. I wonder if there are private evolve servers. There have to be. I don't know. But. But like a company which went through an evolution, and they're a weird one to bring up now, considering the current goings on, is Bon Appetit, right? It went like not talking about any of the bullshit that went on with Rappo and all that kind of stuff, like yeah. and the current ongoing issues. They went from kind of a hoity-toity only magazine that like you would 
look at and be like, boy, that's not something I'm ever going to buy because that's fucking for fancy people and I just make goddamn ramen um, to like the most popular YouTube channel online. And is that, like that, that was an evolution. Was that, they, they, were they really the most popular YouTube channel? Um, well, in their field for sure. Yeah, um, but I don't know if I don't. I, think I just wasn't sure. Still the highest, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not. A lot I'm not of, like uh, bizarrely, obscenely yeah. popular channels. I just was curious. Yeah. I I wasn't sure if that was a if you were making a point or if that was a real stat. That's all. well. Then then I'll I'll backtrack that and say like that became their bread and butter more yeah, so than the yeah, magazine. Yeah, yeah. So like I, it just requires some form of evolution, and what that evolution is, mm, it's different per per publication probably. Totally. Yeah. Uh, Andre, you look like you're going to poop. <laughs> I, I'm realizing that you can still play Evolve. I think you can. <laughs> it's, you have to have, it's peer-to-peer. It's not yeah. dedicated servers. Yeah. Cool. What if we all got together and played Evolve? I almost slammed my desk and then I realized how bad that would be on the recording. <laughs> and framed. But if anyone ever wants to play Evolve... I mean, you have, just, if it, just, if it just, it's still it's on su- Steam, does it support Total, Turtle Rock if we do? Uh, I think it's free on Steam. Hmm. And it's peer to peer. Maybe it's not on Steam anymore. Maybe you just need we to can, have it we in can, your library. We can kickstart the Evolve community and get Turtle Rock back. I know. <laughs> get them is, to start working on the game again. Is Turtle Rock? Oh, okay. what is Turtle Rock doing? They got bought by somebody, I want to say. 2K or something? I don't they know. got well, bought by somebody. I thought uh, they got Valve. Yeah, that's what I was okay. Yeah. Valve oh yeah, them. yeah, yeah. Weren't they Valve South for a while? I don't know. Like, wasn't that their name? But they've worked Anyways, on whatever. They've worked so on stuff since then. Like they've done support work on stuff. I think they've done support work on stuff like Half Life Alex and and yeah. Oh, well, because uh, everybody worked on Half Half Life Alex. Didn't yeah. they? Didn't they announce that? Like Left for Deady kind of thing, the back four blood with the letter, the number four. Yeah, I think. Oh yeah, is that you're right? Yeah, I don't know if it's them, but it's a new Left it for Dead. I'm pretty sure <laughs> it is. Yeah. So uh, they're, I guess they're not at Valve anymore. They're okay. They're, yeah, I didn't. I, think I don't so. know. Or are they uh, making Warner another Bro- Left for Warner Dead? Brothers is publishing uh, Back for Blood. Oh, it's called Back for Blood. I thought it was actually. I thought no. that was just the tease, and it was actually Left for Dead Three. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't uh, think they were still uh, that was announced or announced over a year ago. Yeah, May 2019. Well, I'll be honest. Love Turtle Rock. Not going to play another co-op zombie game. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to say it. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, uh, that's the end of the of the Andy Magnum era. But... <laughs> Uh, we there's uh, there's a new era. You, you circle back to it, and then it's funnier new than era. the seventh time. The new era of uh of indie games. I don't know the indie obscura era. It's the second the se- the second age of indie obscura. It's, it's back, baby. Uh, yeah, I haven't had time to watch this with the sixteen games. I heard. Yeah, right? they they went with a smaller number of games this time. Um, mm-hmm. In a lot of cases, they had more uh, interviews with developers or longer interviews with developers, like more in depth, which was kind of cool. Uh, so, for those who don't know what the hell we're talking about, I think we talked about it after their first show, which I don't remember yeah. when that was, like a month and a half. I think we talked about it multiple ago. times. Yeah, we, it, it's come but, up yeah. a, a few times. But uh, Indie Obscura is a great little website. They're uh, 
part of like Greenlit and Shack News. They partner with Shack News for this. Uh, and the IOX is their little showcase of indie games. And they do a really good job with it. It's really nice production values, good voiceover, good uh, video editing and stuff like that. And it's just a good way to showcase games you otherwise would not have heard of. So that's the short version. Uh, yeah, they showed 16 games this time. I won't go through all of them. I picked five that I thought were pretty cool because I think the show overall was pretty good this time. I don't know if it was as strong as the first time just because uh, the first time was about the same length, but they had way more games. So it was just kind of mm-hmm. cool to just be like, oh yeah, they're just moving on, moving on, moving on. This one, sometimes it was lingering a little bit too long and I just kind of got distracted and did other things for a little bit until the next game. But, you know, whatever. Uh, some of the ones they showed were really amazing. So the ones I pulled up as ones that I kind of immediately went to Steam and hit add to wish list is one called Before I Forget. Uh, Pat, I feel like you would love Before I Forget just from looking at it and from what they were talking about. It's, it's one of my favorite Slipknot songs. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> is that the one that goes, push my fingers No, that's a different song. Let's do Alice. Let's do Alice. Anyway. Sorry. So back to this game that is So this is a game about this is a game about dementia. With a soundtrack by Slipknot. No. Um but we're 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 joking. I legitimately really love Slipknot. So but continue. Um so before I forget, is it's kind of a walking sim kind of thing, and it is about an older lady uh, with dementia, and it, it it is really interesting. It looks like kind of a mix of a mystery story and a love story, where uh, the the visual dynamics starts very black and white, uh, and as you're kind of uncovering memories and stuff like that, you're adding color to the world and kind of going through her experiences and going through these memories that she's kind of resurfacing but losing grasp of and stuff like that. Um, the visual aesthetic looks great. The conceit behind it, like all of the story stuff, looked really good, and it was really excellently voice acted from what they showed. So, uh, I think it comes out in just a few weeks. So, uh, July sixteenth. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Yeah, so like twelve days. So I'm. That's definitely something I'm going to be checking out. Uh, it looks really good. Uh, yeah. The next, the next one was called Into a Dream, and it. It reminded me of The Missing in some ways. Uh, and it's 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 like The Missing slash Limbo or Inside. It's like a side scrolly kind of thing uh, where your character that is being portrayed is always in silhouette. Um, so you're always just seeing them as like a shadow character. And it's a game that's directly about depression, like mental health and depression. Uh, where essentially you are playing as a psychologist. I, th- I think this is what it was. I don't recall um, exactly, but I think you're playing as a psychologist who falls asleep and ends up somehow connected via this mind tunnel to someone with depression and helping guide them through their life, basically through this brain dream. dancing. Yeah, exactly. They're um, they're drifting, but. Uh, it also looks really good. It looks um, the creator looks like he he he's talked directly about how he doesn't personally have depression and he's uh, in contact with a lot of people who have far more insight than he does to make sure that he's doing it right. Uh, he also says, "Yeah, I'm not a psychologist, but I'm talking with a lot of people to make sure this is done right." And it looks like it's coming from a very earnest place. So, cool. looks really good. Uh, that's out December, not December, July 31st, and there's a demo on Steam. Yep. 
Yeah, so a lot of these are coming soon. A couple are coming in 2021. But uh, the next one is one called Lost in Play. Uh, it looks fucking charming as hell. It's like this kind of point-and-click adventure thing with a really, really vibrant art style. Um, but it seems creative and almost wacky in a way that reminded me of like Machinarium or Botanicula. I don't know if you guys ever played those, but... Like I'm a big fan of Botanicula. Uh, Machinarium was pretty good, but Botanicula's just the way you would interact with things, and it would just do this stuff that you don't expect, um, which turns into mechanics, which turns into puzzle solving. Is very much what this is like. Uh, but yeah, it looks like this very well animated, hand drawn art style that looks kitty, but at the same time, you're like looking at these crazy like werewolf creatures and like talking yeah. to forest sprites and stuff like that. It looks like a Cartoon Network show. Yeah, in a way. like It looks really high production value, uh, especially for yeah. an indie game. And it looks really charming and really fun. So I'm, I think that one comes out in 2021. Uh, yes, mid-2021 it says on Steam. Yeah, so that one, super looking forward to it. That's Lost in Play. Um, second to last one is one called Project Sky. Again, I think this is one you'll be really into, Pat. <laughs> Um, it's this solo developer. I, I can't recall his name, but he's from Canada, from Nova Scotia, I believe. Uh, and it's this really unique world with just an absolute fuck ton of lore. Like, basically, he talked about how he came up with this whole language, uh, or not language, but this like tribal custom for one of the tribes that you can encounter, where they have certain symbols in certain colors and stuff on their garb. To where if you that. learn how, how to interpret it, you can basically read their entire life story, like from major events in their lives and stuff. Like that's just really with, cool. Yeah, like it's that kind of stuff. And it's like just this really unique lore. Uh, but the gameplay itself seems like a very Horizon Zero Dawn kind of feel, where huh. you're like engaging in battles against like giant mechanical automatons and like going for the weaknesses and stuff, and you're riding on the back of this really pretty cool ass wolf and stuff like that. Um and you're encountering tri- like I said, tribes like and these tribes will be kind of uh, anthropomorphic animals or uh, hooded creatures or like you know like you don't know what you're going to run to and it's uh, just this enormous world that looks really fascinating. That's awesome. Uh, I believe he has a demo up that you can play right now, and he's he's accepting like um, uh, direct feedback from that demo. So uh, I think it's worth a shot. I have it installed. I'm going to be playing it after this. Uh, you can find that at projectskygame.com. So it's pretty cool. And then the last one is a game called Undying, um, which it has this really, really interesting story kind of conceit to it. Uh, the elevator pitch of it is that you're playing as a mother uh, in a zombie apocalypse, but the mother has been bitten. So she is definitely going to turn, she is definitely going to die. Uh, and she's been traveling with her son. So knowing that she has limited time left, she's trying to teach him as much as possible with that time she has, as well as like uh, bring him somewhere safe. Like it, it seems like it's actually telling a really interesting story in that space, uh, which I'm super intrigued. Like I'll, I'll admit the trailer that they showed didn't blow me all the way uh, to my butt. Uh, just because I think it wasn't edited the strongest, but I think the the gameplay looked really good. The concept sounds really good, and this the story sounds like it could be really good if executed as well as they were showing. So, uh, yeah, 
there was a lot of other games at IOX. Uh, it's worth watching the video. I think you can find it on the Indie Obscura YouTube channel. But those were just five of the highlights. It continues being a really excellent thing that I will continue to support. Um, especially, I don't know about y'all, but the Summer Game Fest kind of thing has kind of turned into a summer game mess of just... That's a copyrighted term. We can't use that. We can't use that term. Is it? Uh, unless you say Jeff, Jeff Grubb's Grubb. Summer Game oh, Mess. Oh, I didn't realize Jeff Grubb is, is, a, is the one. I, I will not cross my sword with Jeff Grubb. Um, we, he is the official uh, source for we, all summer oh, games goings on. Right. That, I forgot about that document. That the, I do not. Yeah. I do not subscribe or reference uh, Jeff Keeley's summer games. Uh, blank. I, I will not say it. Oh. Uh, only Jeff Grubb's summer games mess. Um, I, it is uh, a mess. All of it. One one B on that on that name. Um, uh, that stuff has been impossible to follow. We could probably get permission from Jeff Grubb. He's a really nice guy and super responsive on Twitter. So <laughs> <laughs> I played Eco with him last year. Oh really? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's, Eco he's the cool. dolphin. <laughs> he's kind of a dick when he plays Eco, but I mean, I think that's more uh, RP than reality. <laughs> yeah. That's. But yeah, I don't know. Um, IOX, I, I feel pretty strongly about. I think it's good. Uh, but it has, yeah, it's been hard to follow all the events that have been going on. We've got. This month is, is Xbox, right? Yeah, in like a week or two. July twenty first, I want to say. Oh, is it the first? Okay, I thought it was. There's been some rumbling that seems like it's mid July, uh, but there's not been any official statement. I thought I saw an official statement, but I could be wrong. There have been. Microsoft has announced a new event today called the Xbox Summer Game Fest that will bring sixty brand new demos of upcoming games to the Xbox dashboard starting on July twenty first. So I guess the presentation might be earlier, but their their demo festival things. Okay, yeah, no, yeah. So like their they're like, here's our first party games thing uh, that we're sh- that we're launching with with the Xbox One and that kind of stuff. That's supposed to be uh, mid month. It could be the twenty first. I I haven't yeah. seen any like here's when we're showing stuff. But yeah, uh, then like uh, there, Ubisoft is supposed to be this month too, right? Late this month. I it's just it's shenanigans. What, what I think is interesting about this shit too is, and this isn't to pick on any of it at all. Cause they're all cool games that people should check out, but it, th- it sounds like this Xbox summer game fest is largely going to be a lot of the same demos that were in the steam thing, just for the mm-hmm. games that are also coming to console. And it's great for people who don't have PCs to be able to play them on console, but it's also like, it's still not, I saw some responses to it. Like this is so cool that we need more of this. And the answer is yes, but also it's kind of not like a new thing, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's still demos that have been circulating for a bit, but it's new for console gamers. Cause a lot of people just aren't on console or aren't on PC. Right. I guess what I'm saying is I saw in a lot of enthusiasts pressed pressed mm. that this is like that Microsoft is like blazing a trail or something. Not a uh, lot of enthusiasts press. I saw a few know, people they're blazing saying it. that they're, that they're blazing it. And I would argue that that is not the case. <laughs> And that they're pulling down, they're they, they're soliciting demos that have been on PC for a bit, um, which is cool, and we do need more of it. But what I'm getting at is, it would be great if they could stream like a vertical slice of Halo or something like that, you know, like 
It's a lot yeah. to ask, but it would it would be neat. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Jeff Grubb seems to be indicating Xbox Game Studios reveal July twenty third. But I don't. That's the says it's a reveal, so I feel like maybe that's the whole event. But I'm not sure. I wonder if they're holding it until they can they can put a price up at the end of the the thing, like they're trying to get Sony to to go on price so that they can then but at the end of their presentation mm, undercut that price. Maybe, maybe. But I just don't see Sony blinking. But but what does that mean? Like if. <laughs> Is it going to be September before we <laughs> know how much these fucking you're, things no, cost? No, it means you're going to pre-order, and then at some point in uh, November, you'll get a notification that your credit card has been charged. For $650. And, and two days later, you'll get a package. Like, I don't fucking... I don't... It's so... It's, like, irresponsible at this point, the way that they're holding these prices, both of them. Like, it's, it's dumb. fucking come on! But... Like, I don't know. Things are weird. So they're, I don't, I don't know, but no, you're right. Like, but like, I, I, I guess if they can drop a hundred off the price that if they can comfortably do that, like, but if they can do that, then maybe they should do it anyway. But, and also, I don't know. Again, I know I trust me, I'm in marketing. So I understand why this shit doesn't happen, but I think the reasons it doesn't happen are bullshit. I don't, to me, if I were Microsoft, I would want to, if I were Phil Spencer, I would say, look, we want to make the price. We're talking about numbers like 400. We're talking about numbers like 450. And we're trying to do our best to bring the price to a certain point. And then you put a price out. And if Sony announces way lower, but there's no, there's no legal reason why you can't say like, oh, we actually want to be less cost than the PlayStation 5. So we're in fact going to launch at this lower price. You can do that. There's nothing. Yeah. Uh, the reason I, that you I don't think... is because it's a marketing law that you don't do that kind of shit, like a like a unspoken like just a thing best yeah. practice. But there's no real reason why it has to be that way. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, we got Ubisoft is coming up on the twelfth, Devolver on the eleventh, uh, Google Stadia on the fourteenth. Happy birthday to me. Cool. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, there's gonna be Bandai Namco play anime live on the 22nd. There might oh, be yeah. a Gundam game in there. That Those new games. virtual on Gundam game sounds like it's pretty good. Okay, okay. I don't like that. The last ones have been bad. They haven't been bad. The the previous. Okay, maybe not. I don't know. The, not the like not the, the Gundam versus games. Those have been pretty good. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like the the Gundam versus. It sounded like they haven't been great, but I don't know. I don't. No, I don't. Good. I don't. I haven't played them. All right. That I think is going to do it for news. You ready to talk about games? <laughs> no, no. Let's, uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up for this week. We'll come back next week and hopefully. Uh, be able to talk about some games. I've been we playing a lot of Hades. We'll be talking about news next week too. I almost guarantee it. Uh, hey, yeah, but you know, Trekmania, not bad. Hey, it's uh, needs more Star Wars Metallica, and also mm-hmm. their fucking club uh, access like past stuff is fucking stupid. <laughs> what I would recommend you do, <laughs> and I'm sorry that you didn't have a good experience with this, Andre. Not, I'm not sorry. I'm not Ubisoft. They should be sorry. Uh, they should. This is it is the worst. What, what like, I recommend people with do. anything like this: <laughs> install the free version of the game 
and then try to do the thing. Just play it until it tells you you have to pay money. Do yep. whatever you want to do, and then you're going to hit a screen eventually where it's like, hey, to access this feature, you need to pay us $10 or you need to pay us $30. And if at that point it's worth that to you, then go ahead and do it. I, mean, I it's trackmania it's it's amazing uh, they deserve my money but the problem is so okay so you need to pay <laughs> so th- this game is free uh free to start as nintendo would say yes uh you can play like a bunch of single player stuff and fuck around but if you want to play online you got to pay like 10 bucks a month at least uh, you month, pay 10 bucks year. a month and it or no, a year a year 10 bucks yeah. a year and that lets you do something, join public rooms, which are like public servers. But yes. I don't know. It's not clear. I'd, so I tried to join some servers. Maybe they weren't public. Maybe that was my issue. But I thought they were because I try. I, I paid the 10 bucks and I tried to join a server. I was like, nope, you need the club access. I'm like, why I the fuck do I need the club I access? I don't know because I had the free version. And you went on the giant bomb server. I went on the giant bomb server and it said, you need to pay us $10. And then I did that. And now I can play on the giant bomb server. I paid them $10 and it said, you need to pay us $30 or like whatever the (laughs) next tier is. And I went, um, excuse me. And I rebooted the game and it did it again. And I was like, well, fuck this. Maybe I went to to sleep and then I got on this morning and I paid them their fucking money. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I, I played some Trackmania, but there was no Star Wars Metallica. I don't know why you had to pay $30. Also, well, I don't know either. And it's their fucking standard and club access. They're, they do an awful, absolutely shit job <laughs> of explaining them. Of oh, explaining yeah. The oh, yeah. No, the messaging is terrible. But yeah, the, it is the game absolutely is absolutely horseshit. The game is good though. The game is good, <laughs> but the their club and standard access thing they need to somebody needs to like slap those people and be like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, uh, uh, just makes sense. Like yeah. I have no problem with them charging like ten bucks a year, or like thirty bucks a year, whatever it is the price is. Sure. But I do have a problem with having to pay ten bucks, going this isn't working, and then paying another thirty bucks <laughs> on top of that <laughs> to see if it'll work. And that's, then it yeah, did that's... work, but so I think maybe it added on like so. I've got like a year and th- like a year and three months of my of like the upper tier you now, know. but. Yeah. Either way, uh, we can talk more about games next week. Maybe, maybe we'll talk about Hyperscape. Maybe. Either way, but uh, Hades, we'll Hades, real good. People should play that. Like it's holy the super, shit, super giant game. Super giant. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, it's good. Ark cool. is also real good. You should find. Nobody should play Ark. Don't don't do it. Don't do this to yourself. Private server. <laughs> don't don't fall down this this rabbit hole that will consume you, which will consume your life. <laughs> it's so much fun. But I could just play Hades. Hades, babies. Can you poop your pants in Hades? Um. Well, I mean, you die a lot, and usually when you die, you like vaca- evacu- evacuate we, your bowels. So I guess we went and got birds last night, and I was flying my bird around, and I pooped while I was riding the bird way up in the air, and then the poop fell off, and it fell all the way to the ground. And if I had landed, I would have been able to find that poop. That's going to do it for episode 128. Is that where we're at? Yeah, 128 of the Gaming Fix podcast on July 4th, 2020. Uh, I have been your host, Andre Cole, a.k.a. your partner's favorite way to beat Dark Souls. 
You can find me on Twitter at CoolSlaw, C-O-O-L-S-L-4-W. Alex, where can people find you? I don't know. It's probably for the best. <laughs> Pat, where can people find you? When the T-Rex poops, it has to do a little, like, bounce squat down. It bags the poop? Yeah, I guess. Uh, you can find me at PJC Plays <laughs> and riding T-Rexes around while they poop. Uh, you can find our podcast on Twitter at Fix Podcasts or on uh, the internet at Fix.Space to get this podcast wherever fine podcasts can be listened to. And you can head to podchaser.com slash gaming fix to leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing and uh, help us improve. Yeah. Thank you to those who have written reviews. It is appreciated. Yes. And thank you to everyone who listens. Uh, I know many of you have much less podcasting time uh, to listen to stuff. Less time to podcast, less time to listen to podcasts. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll be back next week with another podcast. So long. Goodbye. Bye. Boy. Boy. Boy.